0: This is a Foobar Radio podcast. For more information, go to foobarradio.com.
1: Nick Helm and Nathaniel Metcalf's Fan Club on Foobar Radio. <laughs> uh,
2: it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, Friday. It's midday. It's noon. Uh, just, just gone noon. It's... Uh, 15 seconds past noon, and you are listening to Five Star Fan Club nice, with, um, <laughs> with me, uh, your host, <laughs> and, <laughs> <laughs> and your other host, Nathaniel Metcalf. Metcalf, yeah. That's right. Yeah, uh, okay. my, uh, I, of course, need no introduction. <laughs> 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 uh, um, my name is. No. Snick so, camp. first rule of Fan Club is tell your friends about Fan Club. Second rule, tell your friends about Fan Club.
3: For the love,
2: for the love of God, for the love of Mary. If you if you told your friends about Fan Club, Oof. if you told one friend about Fan Club, you would have one less friend.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but who needs them? Uh, who needs They're the friends, friends? You don't need. Who
2: needs friends anyway? All you need is. Uh, a connection to broadband and some sort of computer or a phone I think you can listen to it on your phone now can you Oof. yes Yeah, you can. Get
3: out Gadget show. It's like the gadget show.
2: It's fucked up beyond all recognition. (laughs) Am I right? So, I'm having a good day. We're having a nice day. We've already started. I think there's always like a little bit of tension just before we go live. uh, And we are live this week. Oh, yeah. uh, But just before we go live, where uh, it's all kind of like uh, very much like... Um, you know uh, Natalie's telling us what to do and she's making sure that you know we don't don't mess around uh, and you know she goes make sure that you mention this and make sure that you do that and we're like yeah 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 sure and it's very tense and as soon as we go live we just realise there's not a thing she can do about it yeah.
3: Yes. It's like we're like, um, what's he called, um, Private Parts? Or we're like Howard like Stern. Howard Stern, we're like him, aren't we?
2: Yeah, but we're not so stern, are we? We're more like Howard Silly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, yes. I wish I were dead. Um, <laughs> so, uh,
2: so here we are. We're back again. Another week has passed. Mm. And we find ourselves in the icy morn and chilly atmosphere of Friday in May. <laughs> I wasn't expecting to be so cold this morning. That were you. I'm warm in here. See, my new window, it overlooks the sun. Or the sun, rather, shines in. As certain as the sun rises in the... My window is easterly. Easterly. That's how I remember the lyrics to <laughs> Beauty and the Beast are sung by Angela Lansbury. Uh, star of Murder, she wrote. <laughs> and others. And... Um, So the sun, my window is easterly, and yesterday, yesterday, I woke up absolutely drenched in sweat, (laughs) not mine, and I was bathing in sunlight, forgotten to draw the curtains again. And uh, I thought, bloody hell, have I left the central heating on? And do you know what? No, I hadn't. It was just warm. (laughs) Today, I woke up, and I was freezing in bed, and uh, I'd had a very long day. Started a new eating plan, 1,600 calories a day. That's not a lot,
3: Nat. No, what... what, what? The average
2: man needs about 2,000 and 400 shy.
3: But, like, what, what counts as 1,600? Um... Is it that thing where you eat a spinach and you're done?
2: You basically have to breathe a bit less. (laughs) You eat a spinach and you're done. No, no, actually. I had three meals yesterday. It worked
3: for Popeye, though. It did. I mean,
2: he was stronger than any man I've ever seen. (laughs) Um, So, anyway. So today I woke up, it was very cold, I was very tired last night, I did a uh, full day's worth of worrying, and then <laughs> I did a gig, and uh, first 20 back in a year and a bit, and uh, bloody hell, <laughs> bloody hell, um, uh, the last 20 I did was at Christmas 2017, I think it was 2017, what year are we in now? Yeah, 2017, Christmas. Not 2017. your own gig, hello? No, Shepherd's Bush. I did Fuckfest on the Monday. I did Shepherd's Bush on the Wednesday. And then I did a a music gig in Stroud on the Thursday. Friday was Christmas Eve, I think. And then it was, or the day before Christmas Eve. And then uh, maybe Christmas was on the Saturday or the Sunday. So it's like it was an absolute clusterfuck of a week leading up to Christmas. (laughs) And I thought, you know what? I'm not going to do this anymore. And I didn't. And then yesterday was my first one back And uh, I got out my little notebook It was all
0: Christmas material <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, What am I going to do I didn't do it uh, I just had to think on my feet And that is the very nature of stand up uh, Although most of the thinking in stand up is done at home <laughs> You're know, just regurgitating stuff from earlier Anyway, uh, I went to bed I uh, fell asleep Zonked out in front of the TV Watching uh, Dinner Impossible
3: don't know, Dinner Impossible.
2: Uh can you look up Dinner Impossible? I can't remember his name is Chef something. He's a he's like a bodybuilder. He's like a northern
3: bodybuilder. So it's like the British show. Arm.
2: No. It's an American show. He's got a huge arms, tiny head. Um, when you
3: say northern, but British Northern host. British
2: Northern host. Uh, he's over in America. he's been doing Dinner Impossible for a long time. What used to happen was uh, anyway, long story short, um but, but look it up because we can talk about this. Um uh, but, um, <laughs> <coughs> oh, sorry. Um, but, but look at, I fell asleep watching that. I woke up in the morning and I was absolutely freezing. I jumped out of bed, and because I was so tired, I'd gone to sleep with my socks on. And even with my socks on, it was cold. So, so if you're having trouble starting your car up this morning and scraping ice off the windshield, then uh, do write in and let us know.
3: <laughs> you're listening send us to photographs. Five. Which you're you're li- s- if you have got snow, send us photographs of some snow. You're
2: listening to Five Star Fan Club, uh, <laughs> and and if you're out there listening, keep warm. <laughs> now uh, can't, it, they
3: do that on the news now, don't they? They say in the news, like when it's a snow day, they go. Send us in pictures of some snow, and it's like everyone can see snow. This isn't this isn't news. Dinner impossible with. Oh god, I wasn't expecting that face. Yeah, um, <laughs> she- Chef Robert Irvine. He looks like a Nazi from an Indiana Jones film.
2: Oh well, so, I tell you what, he does look like. He looks like the big Russian from uh, the fourth one, Crystal right, Skull. Right. Yes. 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 Um, but he's like he's got huge arms, right? And now I probably used to watch. Uh, Dinner Impossible, I would say 10 years ago. And it, what it used to be, I, I, what it used to it's be. It's been going 10 years? Well, just hear me out. <laughs> <laughs> Prepare to learn something without talking all over it and nothing. Okay. I forgot what I was saying now. No, I
3: haven't. So. <laughs> Has it been going 10 years? You said, didn't you say you watched it 10 years I ago? I think
2: I watched it 10 years ago uh, Can you give us some more information there, Natalie? Natalie's not a real person It's a, uh, our in-house computer
3: So it's our AI AI? <laughs> <Like> <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought the Steven
2: Spielberg film was called <laughs> It's just at the time of the allergy show Yeah, yeah, makes
3: sense
2: <laughs> Cashing in <laughs> bloody hell. Sometimes Stanley. he follows, doesn't he? Stanley, he doesn't always leave Stanley Kubrick had his finger on the pulse, didn't he? Before <laughs> it ended Um <laughs> So, um, I was watching it 10 years ago, and what he, the one episode that I do remember was what they used to do is they used to give him, like, they used to put him in a location, and it would often, eat, often be in the middle of a field with no electricity and no supplies and nothing. And he'd have like a small, but he'd say, Right, right, what, what, what have you got to cook with? we go, we've got, we got a pan, we've got a spoon. Right. Well, I'm going to need more. I'm going to need burners. I'm going to need a tent. I'm going to need some cafeteria space. You know, and he'd sort of like have this big list. And he'd basically have to cook. He'd have to cater for an event with like no supplies. And then he'd have to get it all
3: together. Yeah, but that's not impossible. And then someone would like come
2: in and say, I'm donating a large tin of tomatoes. And he'd go, that'll do. Right, what am I going to make with the tomatoes? And it'd be all like, you know, documentary style. And it would be like, I just remember one episode where he he had to make like a healthy meal for a group of kids. Yeah. You've gone very quiet. I was only joking that you weren't allowed to talk.
3: No, no, no. I was just trying (laughs) to take it all in. Because it already feels like if he's like said, he's in the middle of a field and they go... Right, you've just got to do a thing with everything that's just in this field. He goes, right. He comes out and goes, get me an oven. It's like, we well, have already failed.
2: <laughs> no, <laughs> that's not the
3: <laughs> Get me a I mean,
2: um, are you saying that January 24th, 2007 to July 7th, 2010 was when Dinner Impossible was on? That was it? Yeah. Okay, because he's got a new series. Can you just look up what his new series... Can you just look... Could you just get Robert Irvine, up, please?
3: Um... It's, it's a noose It's a it's, uh, Dinner Impossible I, th- too. I thought D-I-I-I I
2: thought it was uh, This one's directed by John Woo Wow <laughs> Woo Get me dove <laughs> <laughs> Get me them doves I'm baking doves <laughs> Um <laughs> so um It's a niche it's it's good. It very, very niche. Um uh, Robert Paul Irvine is an English celebrity chef and talk show host who has appeared and, and hosted a variety of food network programmes including Dinner Impossible, Worst Cooks in America, restaurant impossible that's what I'm watching at Restaurant
3: Impossible. So
2: Dinner Impossible <laughs> was a show where he'd have to do these He's things. He's got
3: one called Chopped Impossible. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Here I welcome Operation Restaurant All Star Academy Guys Grocery Games Chops Impossible.
3: I've got to Restaurant. chop this. i got to chop this tomato, but all I've been given is ammo. Um, <laughs> I've got to chop this car with a with a blunt knife. That's impossible.
2: That's impossible. I've got I've got to chop this house in half with a celery stick. It's not bloody happening. I've got to I've got to chop a chop with another chop. Ooh called chop chop chop.
3: <laughs> got a chop a chop with a chopper chop.
2: A chop. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. So <laughs> impossible. Um. <laughs> you want me to chop what with what? Impossible.
3: <laughs> um. <laughs> the end of the show. Critics. <laughs> <laughs> it is, is impossible. It's,
2: it's more of a uh, little stinger in between other shows. Um <laughs> So, um, so he comes in and he did this thing. I just remember the one episode of Dinner Impossible that I remember watching. So he had to do. It. Don't get rid of it. Don't get rid of it. We're still using it. <laughs> right, but that is a picture of him. I mean, is he's that got, is that real? Yeah, he's a bodybuilder basically. Who's this chef? he had to cook. He's got a tiny head. He's got. That's what I said. He's yeah, got huge right. arms and a tiny head. Checks right. out. He, he had to cook this. Uh, he had to cook this. Kate had an event for these kids, and it was healthy eating. So he did loads of vegetables, and one of the things that he did was um, he boiled uh, some uh, julienne carrots, Mm -hmm. uh, which are like sort of like matchstick carrots. Uh, He boiled them in Seven Up. Just to make them more interesting for
3: the kids. Is that healthy, though,
2: is it? <laughs> you know, that's, you've taken something that's natural, <laughs> that is naturally sweet, delicious, good for you, and you've bathed it in seven up. No. I mean, it's like, you fucking... I mean, it was moronic, but I do like... Got some him.
3: gadgets and covered them in pop. I, I
2: do like If we can get him on, that would be great, if we can get him on the show. Anyway, so you've got a new show called Restaurant Impossible that I've started watching. And um, uh, basically, the format is... Um, Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares (laughs) it's the exact exact same show
3: now we're talking I love Kitchen Nightmares
2: you've got got a British chef that goes into an American restaurant and he goes in and he has a massive go the only thing is they've changed slight bits where uh, he doesn't swear as much like he's not just using it as a gimmick you get the feeling that when he swears he's actually really genuinely upset he throws in a bit of counselling Uh, here and there where he counts you know there's always someone that's being abused by like uh, mentally abused by their staff or their parents that own the restaurant or something like that so he gives them a bit of counselling and he's sort of like very supportive of them Um, and then also he checks in every so often and rather than it being kind of like um, whereas they do a makeover overnight on nightmares yeah yeah I love it. You just think, how do they? It's like Challenge Annika. It's like they leave one night in a shithole, sh- sh- and in the morning, it's a shithole with some paint on it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but it must be, because you've only had 12 hours. It's like, it must be like wet paint. You must be going in and go, oh, I can smell fumes, paint fumes. And like,
2: uh, it, it, it's like when uh, when I looked around my house, when I was, I, I was looking for a flat. I looked around the flat and I go, oh, this place is beautiful. Oh, my God, it's absolutely gorgeous. And then you buy it and you move in. And you're like, oh, my God, none of the finishing is done. <laughs> like, the floorboards are coming up. Like, the, everything is kind of superficial that it looks like. They've given it a wipe over, right? But basically, it's all superficial stuff. And then the minute you start actually using it practically on a daily basis, everything just starts falling apart. <laughs> um and uh, but what they do is they start the process at the same time that he's going in so they're renovating the place and he goes and he checks up on it and you know um, but apart from that it's the ex- I was kind of like I thought basically I didn't realise that changed the name from Dinner Impossible to Restaurant Impossible. But I thought, basically, they'd uh, just sort of like, tried to get away with it. No, we've always been doing this. <laughs> we've always been doing this. It's like, no, You used to be boiling vegetables in 7-Up <laughs> and feeding it to obese children. It was, uh, of course, uh, that was back then, back then in two- 19, uh, 2007 when... Um, Obesity was more of an issue of course it's not, uh, Yeah,
3: not uh, The bit in Kitchen Nightmares That always gets me Is a bit where he goes in To the restaurant And he goes He walks into the kitchen And he goes Right put all your stuff down Put all your stuff down And everyone has to stop cooking What in, in- Kitchen Nightmares Yeah 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 Ramsay comes in And they go oh, it's, it's Chef Ramsay As they call him And they all sort of go Oh god he's here And he goes Yeah put it there. And then he does that thing And he walks out Into like the restaurant proper <laughs> And he goes Right sorry about this everyone you're all going to have to leave and I would just think why don't you just go no I mean I've just I'm having my dinner <laughs> like as much as it might be like <coughs> oh, you could cook this at home this is horrible this is a horrible restaurant <laughs> there's people in there some of them are probably just eating it like I'm just having the dinner like, so it's like yeah you got to leave now I'd just be like no I'm going to finish my dinner he please. normally
2: asks people to leave when they've found uh, a rat a shout out a cockroach <laughs> I'm having my oh, dinner. Oh, fucking hell. A rat's just shot out a cockroach in the souffle. Uh, sorry, guys, you're all going to have to leave. A rat's just <laughs> shot out a cockroach in the souffle. You're eating the souffle, mate. Get the fuck out of here. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Now, I have seen some kitchens in some
3: states. but this He's always is, surprised, isn't he? Always <laughs> he's always surprised every always, week. He's
2: always using his hands in uh, in gestures that don't correspond with what he's saying. Yeah. And then he always mutters something when he's walking off.
3: Yeah. yeah, and at the end,
2: pumpkin hummus, unbelievable.
3: <laughs> at the end, he's that thing where he does it, and he's like, um, and he does that thing where he's like, um, he's not in touch with his emotions. So it'll be at the end where someone will go, "I've oh, really saved my family, Chef Ramsay," and someone will like hug him or something, and he's like, "Thanks, darling, thanks." And he will sort of like tap her or something, and she's trying to hug him, so like, thanks, darling. And then he walks off. He puts his coat on his big coat, and he walks off as if he's like walking to the next town. It's like the end of the Incredible Hulk every week. It's <laughs> sort of like, where's he going? <laughs> it's like my job's done here. My my existence now is to save restaurants. I'll walk on to the next town, and I'll, you know, maybe get on like a, a little get, hay bale on a on a sit on a train, run along a train track. Can you get a list the of
2: Gordon town. Ramsay's uh, shows up? Because there was one show that he did. It was a British show that he did. So I've got a point about this. It is like that. I mean, it's, it is just but the british version is uh, is better. The American version is kind of like um, they tell you what you 're about to see, they show you mm. it, and then they tell you that you 've just seen it mm. and it 's like that and it 's just kind of like you watch the same content three or four times throughout the show, and then they do like a recap at the beginning of the next half, and then do a recap at the end of the episode and you sort of, there 's probably about ten minutes of footage yeah, yeah. and then they just basically get like twenty two minutes out of it. Um, there was one episode of, and I did like a routine about this on Heavy Entertainment, but we had to cut the, the point of the routine. So we did like the setup, and the punchline was like this other thing. So uh, Gordon Ramsay did this, um, uh, Gordon Ramsay did this show that was on in the daytime's. Was it Ultimate Cookery Course? I th- no, it was, it was something like Gordon Ramsay's. Cook Along Live? No, it was something where he was, like, cooking. Maybe it's the ultimate cookery course. Yeah, that's about right, 2012. And they used to repeat it on in the day. These aren't all of his shows, though, are they? It finishes in 2013, and then what? He just stopped working, did he? Bloody hell.
3: <laughs> <laughs> nice some. Uh He just does it. He does the same thing, but not on telly anymore. Just travels from town to town. He did a really <laughs> good episode. Restaurant.
2: There's a hot wing uh, show on YouTube where they all eat hot wings and... Uh, that's quite good, and uh, Gordon. Well, it's not good, but Gordon Ramsay was on it, and uh, he had a good episode.
3: He did that one recently where it was him, um, Gino De Campo, and someone, and and Fred from First Dates. It's like The Expendables. <laughs> 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 it was, but it was one of those things where you go, "God, Gino De Campo seems like an absolute nightmare," and you'd almost <laughs> like you just think, "I oh, would like get rid of him." Like it feels like if you were one, like the other two are just, you sort of see him, he's like he's like sort of being like a jolly prick. Like, do you know what I mean? He's like you're kind of like, oh, Christ. Just like awful. And the other two, it's like you think Fred from First Dates just seems like a really nice bloke who's just like, <laughs> Just wants to get on with his who's, life.
2: Who's Fred from First Dates?
3: You know, he runs the restaurant, the French... Uh, I mean,
2: you say that, but I don't... Yeah, right, so... You've seen First Dates, have you? Um, I've seen uh, bits of it in passing. Is he the guy with the beard?
3: Yes, yes, right, yes. Right, 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 I love First Dates. Absolutely love it. Um, but, yeah, Fred, he's like... And he seems like he, he's... Like, I was a bit suspicious of Fred, to be honest, on First Dates. I thought he was a little bit creepy. Now, I think. I think he's all right. I think he's a good guy. Um... But, like, Gino DeCampo, absolutely awful human being. You just go, what is wrong with you? He's like, uh, Gino DeCampo just feels like, like, what's he trying to get away with? Um, It feels like the stories, it feels like there's definitely, there's, like, allusions to, like, skeletons in his cupboard that you're like, what what have you done? And the other two are just like, like, Gordon Ramsay's, like, quite a hard person to kind of get on with. But in that company, you go... I mean Ramsay seems great. Ramsay's
2: sailing out of yeah. this. <laughs> yeah.
3: He comes across so well by comparison.
2: I love TV chefs. I love food shows. <laughs> I love Chef Robert Irvine. I think he's great. And the thing is he's so um uh he, I don't know. It's gonna, he's not a name over here. So he's no, only never. He, and I, I don't know how big he is in America, but he's obviously got a career out of it and he's got a restaurant in Las Vegas and um but um I just find his I just find the fact that he pops up at late night TV kind of like re- and over the years, you've sort of grown with him. And and when he kind of, like, sits down and he, like, talks to a guy about the fact that his parents are overbearing and he needs to sort of, like, break out. It, it's not like... It's kind of like, you go, oh, God, he's got a heart as well, you know? Um, there is... I just love... Tea. I'm fascinated by them. Like, well, they, 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 m- they the kind of
3: make too much of that on the Ramsey ones, which, I mean, always seems out of character. Like, in the American shows, he he seems much more caring. Because
2: it's all theatre. Yeah, Like I don't, Gordon Ramsay doesn't really swear that much, and he's not really that angry. And you know, and it's um, it's TV, isn't it? And that's what it is. It's just all. It's you know, he's playing a character. He's selling a brand. Gordon Ramsay, you know, has quiet moments where he's quite introspective, (laughs) I imagine, and then you know. Uh, th- but that's not what they're selling. You're they're selling a, a, a yeah, cartoon. No, uh, yeah. In England, he's he's exaggerated. In America, he's a cartoon character, mm. and you just like going, yeah, fine, fair enough. But the point is, like, so he went into this place, and it was like this little. Um, I think it was like a, a Greek restaurant in America. I can't remember where it was.
3: Is this Irving or? No, this is Ramsay. is
2: Ramsay, and this is ages and ages ago. Uh, And there was this guy, and he was making uh, pumpkin hummus, right? And Gordon Ramsay ordered it off the menu, and he ate it and tasted it. And he said, this tastes like snot. This is disgusting he right. say snot he said snot right <laughs> and he said this is like it was revolting right the way he described it was revolting right he said this pumpkin hummus what were you thinking what were you fucking thinking yeah you know, he does the whole thing tricks him into full sense of security and the guy goes oh yeah it's just this thing that I invented I thought why not uh, make hummus out of pumpkin you know we had, it was Halloween you know there was some story behind it it was Halloween we had some leftover pumpkins and made some pumpkin hummus and Gordon Ramsay eats it and he goes oh it's watery it tastes like snot he has this massive go at him he goes get off the menu <laughs> right rather than being constructive and going I see what you're trying to do um I, and that's what I find the problem with all of the all of that show is that he's not helping them with their business so it 's sustainable he's not like going right, your lasagna recipe is fucking disgusting, but if it's lasagna you want, you want to make. Why don't you try making it like this? He goes in and says, what you need to do is make a... Oh, what you're, you're a seafood... Uh, you're a Turkish seafood restaurant. What you need is you need an all-American bar and grill. And then he'll close it down. And then they'll be like... And then they'll start doing this thing. And it's not what they wanted to open in the first place. It's like they've inherited someone else's idea of what... And it's basically designed just to be a moneymaker as opposed to something that's a passion project for yeah. them. It's kind of like, right, well, the passion now is that we're going to make loads of money. Um, but it's not something where they can kind of, um, I don't feel like the, and you hear that a lot of these restaurants shut down and I think it's because they're not sustainable in terms of that's not what their dream was. So I think that he'd be much better off going, ah, I can see what you're trying to do with this pumpkin hummus. It was absolutely fucking disgusting. Um. But why don't you try doing it like this? And it will cut down the moisture of it. And if you season it like that, you know what I mean? Giving him some tips so that he can actually be proud of something. Instead, what he did was, you know, they opened up a bar and grill and then they closed down within however many months and he walks off into the sunset. And he's literally wagging his finger going, Pumpkin Hummus, unbelievable, right? (laughs) And the Pumpkin Hummus thing was in part one and then he hated it so much that in part two he's wagging his finger going, Pumpkin Hummus, unbelievable. My point is that that was... Go- Kitchen Nightmares USA then two years later he did uh, where's it gone? <laughs> oh. <laughs> <Guess> um, <laughs> why are you deleting stuff that's in front of us? two years later he did this oh fucking hell
3: <laughs> he did what right, it home home cooking he
2: did Gordon Ramsay's ultimate cookery course and uh, one of the recipes that, and it's basically it's a hundred meals that you should learn to cook
3: right like that, basics
2: that he's created And one of the things on it was butternut squash hummus. (laughs) And you go a butternut squash is the same as a fucking pumpkin. It's just shaped differently, mate. And it's like, so he's basically gone over to this guy, called him a cunt in front of his kids, uh, you know, spanked his ass on live TV, on on American national TV, uh, told him he's a cunt for having dreams, uh, made him change his whole fucking ethos, uh, shut down his business, opened up a bar and grill, went bust, and then uh, two years later, he's like, i to tell you what, I've just invented this great new dish. It's called... Nut squash hummus. You can look it up. It's in, like I did this material. <laughs> David Trent bought me the actual cookbook that uh, that it came in. And you just like go. I could when he did it. I was like my, I was just I was absolutely like flabbergasted. Just like go. That is one of the most fucking and it's bold. Like the 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 evidence is in front of you. <laughs>
0: you
2: know. And maybe he did have this recipe for butternut squash hummus, and he's always had it in his back pocket and thought I'm going to do this one day. But the guy still invented pumpkin hummus and he still went over and he shut him down mm. and he said, you know, it, whether he invented it beforehand or he stole the idea, it's just kind of like, it's there on TV. Yeah. One of them's an American show and one of them's an English show and it's just kind of like, you, know, you go, Fucking, it's in his fucking cookbook.
3: Because also it seems like, as a as a concept, <laughs> it doesn't sound that bad, pumpkin, but... <laughs> right,
2: well, you just sandwich. think, if he's he's got, oh, yeah. if he's got the consistency wrong, just tell him... Yeah. Oh, you're doing it wrong And I think that goes for all of the restaurants You just go, <laughs> you're doing it wrong well, I see what you're trying to do, but you're doing it wrong Um he just goes, no, no, no. And this is what it's going to look like. You're going to take down all your family photos. We've taken <laughs> down all your family photos and burned them. Where are they now?
3: Oh, I don't know. I'll skip. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and there's a shot of a rat shitting a cockroach <laughs> on, on Grandmama. Uh, and it's just like, yeah, fucking... I really love all of those shows. Though. I love... um I love Gordon Ramsay, and I uh, and I love the hairy bikers, and I love you know, I like watching them because I find them all fascinating, um, you know. But I just I do find it. Do fascinating. you like them as
3: personalities as well? So, do you remember um, we talked about the other fella, um, Irving? He was Robert Irving. Do you remember the guy who Brian Turner, who used to be on this morning? Yeah, and his thing was always like a. Yep, now I'm gonna cook some roast beef, and you—you can't get that in London, can you? You, go, you can, <laughs> you can. You don't get that in London. That's—it's just—it was always about like how everything yeah. in Yorkshire was like. You got oh, at least a bit of a, um steak and ale pie. I bet you've never seen one of them in London, and it's like yeah, we've got we've got all that stuff as well. It's like, you never will have seen it. It's—it's it's just like it's, it's sort of a, it was a. It was like an advocate for Yorkshire about everything, all the food that he made was stuff that you've never seen in London. Whenever um,
2: he did Ready, Steady, Cook, he'd always be uh, aggressively competitive. You know, it was jovial, but underneath the surface, it was just that he would take it a bit too far and it would just be kind of like, you know, there'd be a hint of angry bitterness coming through and there'd always be like a glint of northern misogyny coming through <laughs> it's like Brian Turner and uh <laughs> but he's been around for ages and mm. and um and now you watch and he's great I think that he's you know I think when he was in that competitive I mean I don't have a I just think that they're people that become wallpaper and they're just always there and you grow fond of them and I love Brian Turner I think he's all right. My um, my favourite all-time show is um, uh, Great British Menu. And I, I, I think that that is... Who a, hosts that? Uh, I don't think it's got a host. Oh. It's basically... It's a vo- it used to be... I think Jenny Bond used to host it in the kitchen and interview people. <laughs> like, in the early, early, early days. And then she became a voiceover. And now there's sort of like a Jenny Bond sound-alike that does it. Uh, but basically... Prue Leith used to be on it. Okay. And she was the judge that used to come in on the Friday. So you used to have a uh, starter on a Monday, uh, fish course on a Tuesday, main course on a Wednesday, dessert on a Friday, and then you'd have all four, and then there'd be three judges, and it'd be regional. So it'd go on for like 10 weeks, and there'd be uh, uh, three chefs who would have a celebrity chef or a previous winner come in and oversee it. Like Marcus Waring would kind of oversee it and then on the Friday and he would give them points out of 10 they'd top it all up on Thursday then two of them would go through to the final round go head to head in front of a panel of judges with Matthew Fort and Prue Leith and Oliver what's his face um, and yeah good format now it's uh, they do uh, starter and fish on the Wednesday uh, main course and dessert on the Thursday and then so they only do it in three days Uh yeah it's, def- it's good, it's really good it Basically I don't, um, it, This series that's on at the moment Is about, they've all got to be cooking um, uh, I mean my phone has just started <laughs> to, Started recording what I'm saying It's always listening isn't it
3: Yeah You're going to get stuff sold here now
2: That's weird though isn't it no, I hate it when they do that Big brother um, uh, This one they're cooking a, a banquet in Abbey Road So the theme is music And basically, they've all got these dishes and they're sort of tenuously linking it it into them. Uh, Some of them are like really interesting, but you just think it's remarkably unexciting for um, (laughs) considering that the theme is music and it could be anything. Mm. They're just like bringing out, like, some some guy brought out like a Cullen skink or something. He said, (laughs) I imagine this is what a lot of. The musicians would have been eating in the 60s. <laughs> <laughs> and you go, that's not a link. Yeah. You haven't done a link there.
3: Well, here you've got, got a bowl, uh, bowl of uh, opal fruits, Ringo Starbursts. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> someone, that. Did,
2: someone did an octopus dish and they called it Octopus's Garden. Right. And you go, yeah, that's the sure. sort of thing you should be doing, right? Sure. Um, a, sh- a champagne supernova. We've done a champagne dessert. You know, you go, yeah, great, that's fine. Um, I remember they. one year the banquet was Comet Relief, right? <laughs> and, um, uh, and so they all had to do Comet Relief themed things. And <laughs> all of the chefs came in and they, they all like had the sense of humor as a, of a PE teacher, right? <laughs> and uh, one guy, uh, basically, he did a chocolate mousse dessert. Uh, and he made it look like uh, dog shit. <laughs> I quite like that, though. On a on a on a on a grass on a piece of grass, <laughs> That's good. a piece of turf, right? And back in hell, the the judge went absolutely mad. <laughs> <better laughs> really? You can't serve that at a banquet. You can't bring out like what two hundred and fifty dog turds on a fucking piece of lawn. Um, and then the other guy who, who really panicked, I can't remember who it was, but the other guy who really panicked over comic relief, um, he had to, um, uh, he didn't have a sense of humour or he or he was so scared and in the headlights, he just basically had, he could cook, and, but he didn't know how to link it into the theme. So for comic relief, his main dish was sort of like... Um, Uh, his main main dish was kind of like, uh, I think it was like a beef stew type thing and it came out on uh, giant replicas giant stainless steel silver replicas of the Titanic (laughs) and it's kind of like why is this funny? We're now m- remembering the Surreal, death of th- just remembering the death of thousands of people that died in the icy water for Comet Relief. It's not even a related Comet Relief charity. It's not like it's part of the thing. And now we're going to have a look at the survivors yeah. of the Titanic. <laughs> Please keep phoning in. You know. If
3: anything, it's wrong to have it. If you if you're going to send money to people who are starving, the last thing you want to do is have like a, a banquet. <laughs> a banquet. Um, <laughs> probably not a very good taste. That would
2: probably be delicious. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, uh, what was, thing, was he think There Was he having a meltdown? Is he like doing that thing where he's like, I don't know what to do And I've gone, what is that? And he goes, it's a, a Titanic, a big
2: <laughs> But the thing is, it's like um, I don't know if they get a budget or what They must have some <laughs> sort of Because I guess technically you could make cucumber sandwiches For like 60p and go, yeah, it's my spin on a Classic British dish You know, you could, you know mm. Or you could, like,
3: people just, like... Oh, so you actually have to cater for 60 people. That's how it...
2: 250 people. Right. Not,
3: not... If you win,
2: the, the okay. prize is, like, you get to do the starter for the banquet. So four people go through. Uh, sometimes uh, one person gets the starter in a main course, you know. But, um, but 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 a lot of the time they just, like, go, how do we make this a bit more special? And they throw caviar at it and go, there you go. So I guess there's no top into it. So the thing is that when they get these props made... They sp- they're spending money on making these props and he would have had to get 250 replicas <laughs> <laughs> of the titanic made it's fucking crazy
3: but it must have been like it feels like he must have been having a meltdown like, i can not of what to do and that it must be like he yeah, just kept he, going he must have had titanic a titanic beast <laughs> but it must have but
2: it, it was a pre all day it was a pre thought out no i know that it what, wasn't like a spontaneous no. meltdown it was like he got, he went weeks and maybe months in advance <laughs> going like Titanic. Comic relief.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so he's got, he's got a, actually he's got a bit of paper and he's gone like... you <laughs> got any ideas? Oh, yeah, I got one. Titanic. But like beef stew and sat in the, the massive ship. Are we go, right, any other ideas? I can't, I can't think. I just can't think. Um...
2: Could, do a, uh, do, uh, could serve pate on Lenny Henry's face, <laughs> <laughs> just sl- slide him around the table on a lazy susan. Oh, I've got the
3: um, I've got like the Hindenburg disaster, but with a sausage <laughs> roll on the bottom. It like comes in on a big zeppelin about a crash, but it's got a, it's attached to a sausage roll that you can eat. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> succinct in the Lusitania but I've got like um, a jam roly-poly on it I don't know <laughs> world disasters <laughs> with, with food plus comedy <laughs> um,
2: yeah so uh, <laughs> so that's that uh, so anyway it was quite warm in my uh, room this morning, yeah. yesterday but it was cold today so keep warm people
3: uh, What's I the second think. rule of Anklem?
2: <laughs> Please, for <laughs> the love of God. <laughs> <sighs> Tell your friends, it's not lined up. That would have been great to just go into the song, but uh, you were fucking around with uh, <laughs> something else. Thanks, Natalie. I love you. I love you too. Yeah, good. Thanks. You said it. <laughs> Club
3: just on off. Bar Radio. I well,
2: always let the song fade out. Stop telling me what to do. Yeah.
3: God, freedom to rock, freedom to talk, <laughs> freedom Foo to Fubar Radio, <laughs> freedom to
2: freedom to rock, freedom to tuck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. Um, we just before we started uh, on air, we were talking about the year 1989. How it's uh, the 20th anniversary of Batman.
3: 30th. Fuck, man.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the 30th anniversary of Batman. And I was like, saying that I think that was a really good year, 89 uh, was. And, of course, it was. It also was the year of Look Who's Talking and Born on the Fourth of July. <laughs> a real vintage year. Uh, never seen Born on the Fourth of July, I
3: have I'll to I tell say. you what I, w- I wouldn't have guessed ever. That Batman wasn't the biggest movie that year. Yeah. You'd, you'd assume... If you said, what was the biggest movie of 89, you would 100% say Batman. Yeah. What
2: is also actually baffling, I mean, the top 10 for 1989, I mean, consider it, actually, these were the releases of 89, so I suppose it makes some sense that they're in this order.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not surprising. Number one. No,
2: hang on, 10, 10. Number 10, Born on the Fourth of July. Yeah. Nine, The Little Mermaid. Eight,
3: Ghostbusters 2. Seven. Seven. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Six. Lethal Weapon Two. I'm surprised that that's as low down. Yeah, I mean a lot of them are really even Little Mermaid. I'm sort of surprised. I'm surprised Born on the Fourth of July is in the top ten films.
2: So the top five films of 1989.
3: Five is a surprise.
2: Five is fucking bonkers when you when you Consider put it, it, it above the Little Mermaid.
3: Lethal Honey, Weapon I Shrunk 2. the
2: Kids. Ghostbusters Two. Born on the Fourth. Well, not Born on the Fourth of July. I'm surprised that's in the top ten. Yeah. Lethal Weapon Two. Fucking hell. Number five for
3: 1989... Is Dead Poets Society. Dead Poets
2: Society. Then Look Who's Talking. Sure. Fucking hell, Look Who's Talking. That doesn't improve with age, does it? Fucking hell. Fucking... What a fucking mental idea for a fucking film.
3: (laughs) But then to be such a big, big hit. It had two sequels. Yeah. So when Look Who's Talking came out, 89, uh, John Travolta was probably going, yep, I'm back on top. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he probably never would have imagined that he was, he was going to get yet another comeback. I mean, he
2: he's had a lot of comebacks. Hasn't oh, yeah. Famously, at the time, it was just like how many comebacks can he was the comeback king. So what he did Saturday night, like Saturday Night Live, Saturday Night, Live, Saturday night Fever, and Grace, and yeah, and then what happened then?
3: And then you've got like then. But yeah, but everything but what he happened he to probably, his career then? Yeah. Like, like, I guess he just was making like I mean things like blowout which is brilliant sure it didn't make any money so I guess he just did a and at the time would, would have been when blowout came out I think it was like oh my god we got John Travolta amazing and it was uh,
2: but I imagine it was just um, it, well it wasn't Greece was it yeah and it's quite violent and dark and uh, Darkly Comic, I I love that film. I think it's his his best film. Um, So there's Blowout, and then he did Staying Alive, written and directed by Sylvester Stallone, (laughs) Uh, and it was like, uh, should we get the Bee Gees back? And he was like, no, my brother can write music. (laughs) you go, (laughs) what? So Frank Stallone followed up the Bee Gees. Still, it's like like a, what, multi, multi, multi (laughs) multi-platinum.
3: I mean, it's probably one of the best-selling albums of all time. Uh, Saturday night. How are
2: we going to follow that up? Frank said, why have you deleted everything that's on the (laughs) screen? We're looking at the screen. What are you doing? Uh, um, Oh, no. Just stop. stop, I mean, it was actually a good show today. Um uh what were we talking about and then uh, so then he did like i've seen a lot of john travolta films he did that one with air grogs where he met kelly preston set in russia don't they go the experts is that what it's called oh, right, yeah yeah yeah. the american uh like high school dropout stoner dudes that go over to russia to teach them the american way of life is that what it is <laughs> i mean
3: have you ever seen that film's like best defense the one that's like the Daddy Moore film where well, like basically they, where they, made, they make a, another film of Eddie Murphy in. Yeah. they, they, they cut in.
2: They made <laughs> Best Defence. I think it's on... Is it
3: on Netflix? Oh, it might be. Uh,
2: Best Defence is an absolutely incredible film where they basically... They made... A terrible Dudley Moore film, yeah. and then to save it, they who's hot right now, Eddie Murphy. So they've just filmed another these, film.
3: Another film. They just intercut them,
2: and then they just put. <laughs> they, so there's these parallel films with Eddie Murphy and Dudley Moore. Dudley Moore's like this, uh, like uh, what he was um, an art, a weapon designer. Or he works for like this weapons manufacturing plant, and it's like this uh, comedy about this guy that doesn't know what he's doing, uh, and then and it's rubbish. And then they went, right, well, what do we do? Well, we can't just insert Eddie Murphy into the Dudley Moore <laughs> scenes. So we'll film Eddie Murphy in Afghanistan using the weapons. And so it's like there's this kind of like knockabout war caper that they, which must have cost a fuckload of money. They've gone, fucking hell, we've already thrown all it. I reckon the Dudley Moore movie must have cost 10 million. And the, they went, oh, God, it's shit. How do we save it? Well, we'll spend 50 million on this <laughs> Eddie Murphy film. And I think it's in one of his, uh, I can't remember what, I think Best Defence, I mean, I remember at the Oscars, uh, they said to Eddie Murphy, um, what is, uh, what's your worst film? What's the film that you like the least? And he just went, (laughs) I even love Norbit. Right, I'm not going to do an actual impression of Eddie Murphy, right? <laughs> like, and, and and yeah, he's got he loves all of his films, and he's gone on the record as saying that Best Defense is like the worst thing he's ever been in. <laughs> and you go, fucking hell, um, uh, yeah, fucking. That's so weird, though. That to save a film, they just filmed another film, and then they, <laughs> split they would have it probably together. had to get rid
3: of like half the film that they'd already made.
2: I just remember it being uh, really boring. Anyway, so yeah, so um, and then obviously. Uh, Pulp fiction, and then that reinvented him. But like he had loads of films in the oh. 80s and early 90s. Yeah, and like, I, I've seen so many John Travolta <laughs> films, that's quite a humble brag. Um, are we just gonna come in and chat? Are we? <laughs> um, and uh, thanks for the tea. Thank and you. um, uh, every time it happens, I just lose my thread. <laughs> I just find it very, it's just me going um and R on the radio.
3: But no, he has. He's had a million, a million comebacks. Yeah, a million and chances. I keep
2: meaning to rewatch Broken Arrow. But I don't so know. do I. I've got it. I've. It was just at that time when I, Con was out, Broken Arrow was out, <coughs> The Rock was out. Loved those films. Uh, had really. I didn't quite at the time I loved Face Off
3: Do you know what, I was really looking forward to Face Off and I remember it being a real disappointment
2: I think I convinced
3: myself for a long time that it was better than it was Do you know what I really liked, like Assassins I thought it was great Stallone and Antonio Antonio Banderas Banderas. I thought
2: Assassins was incredible and I honestly, when I watched that film there was a real moment at the end where I didn't know who's going to win Mm. Uh, when you watch it back, Antonio Banderas is so Mm. over the top but. I
3: love I uh, like that 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 at that, 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 that period if I can speak. <laughs> um Desperado I think is t- tremendous and I think Antonio Banderas in that period was such like a star for me. I was like, he's
2: incredible, this guy. Well, when he pops up in The Expendables 3, he just totally steals the film. He's just great in it. And uh, Tony Banderas, I mean, he doesn't get enough luck. No. You almost forget that he made the Zorro films. Yes, yeah, And yeah. I, ne- I was never really... I mean, I guess um, our next guest, we can talk about all the stuff with him. But, um, oh, yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, the, that era... I think that era of Stallone was great. I mean, I even love Judge Dredd. I think there's bits in Judge Dredd that obviously haven't aged that well, the special effects were absolutely incredible, and they stole like that speeder bike scene from *Return of the Jedi* in there. But yeah. the, the upgrade in special effects at the time was worth it, I think. Cause there's lots just, of
3: like, good stuff in Judge. Dredd. I
2: think there's, I mean, obviously, oh, we well, took the took the helmet off and all of that, and you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But these are just things. I was never like a. I, obviously, I was aware of Judge Dredd the character, but I was never like a huge comic. Uh, Judge Dredd comic book fan so I kind of I was a Stallone fan mm. and I didn't mind it although it, I do agree that it stops becoming a um, a Judge Dredd movie yeah
3: but I think there's some really great visuals in that and I think there's a lot of the imagery of it really sort of stayed with me
2: um, yeah, I think the score's really good, um, and uh, I I I just really like it. I really like it. But I would have I would be interested. Obviously, people say there was huge budget cuts, so that there's there's this bit when all of these clones uh, get released at the end. Mm. But instead of having this fight with all these clones, they just blow up. They get they get hatched and then they blow up straight away. And I suppose
3: Stallone never really went away. But I remember like cliffhanger feeling like a real relaunch of his career, like. Like, I'm still absolutely relevant, and I'm still, still doing it. Like,
2: still own. yeah, Rocky Five was 90. Then he did Oscar and Stop on My oh more yeah, show and yeah. he was a joke.
3: Um, so it was then. Yeah, I remember it feeling like a real so, comeback.
2: So when he did Cliffhanger, that was sort of like to launch Planet Hollywood as well. So uh, there was that Aspel episode of...
3: Yeah. Striking wave. distance for Willis. Terri- <laughs> <laughs> this is a terrible <laughs> film,
2: although it's got a really good soundtrack. Oh, look, we've got ten minutes, so we should probably... Um, we're going to talk about all this stuff later,
3: I'm sure. Yes. And if not. We've got some post.
2: We've got some post. Um, oh. I'll tell you what, I, oh, Doris died. Doris, Doris died. D- Doris died, died this week. <laughs> uh, Doris Day died this week, um, which is sad. She was 97. Um... Uh, I tweeted about it but one of the things that I found interesting was um, that uh, I typed in Doris Day movies on my Skybox and it came out with three films Uh, and it was That Touch of Mink uh, with Kerry Grant Uh, it was uh, I can't remember what the Rock Hudson film was called Um, Pillow Talk uh, Send Me No Flowers I think it was and uh, there was um, The Man Who Knew Too Much, mm. with, which is famous. Alfred Hitchcock, James Stewart, Doris Day, and it's the film where she sang Que Sera Yeah, in a Hitchcock thriller. In a Hitchcock thriller. <laughs> they just stop everything, and then she sings Que That's and That's where the song comes from. That's what's famous. That's yeah. what makes it famous. Um, but you look at those films, those leading men. There's uh, Cary Grant. He died in 86. Rock Hudson died in eighty five. James Stewart died as late as ninety seven, which I didn't realise it was that oh, yeah, late. Yeah, yeah. So he probably one of the last things he saw was uh, Conair. <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, good for him.
2: Good for him. At least he got there. Mm. Um, uh, and so, like, she. um well, I, well, I can die now. I've seen Conair. You, you look at um, you look at uh, that touch of mink and. Um, it's it's just bizarre how people how the aging process has changed for people now because Cary Grant what was it it was made in the uh, early sixties I think it was he's in his grey hair period it's mm. not totally grey he's mm. not north when was north by northwest made fifty nine
3: I think later sixty three we'll see well when
2: was that touch of mink made I suppose is the more important question <laughs> but. Um, so Cary Grant is old so he must be like mid-50s I yeah. would say Doris Day doesn't look that much younger I looked it up and she's like I, either I've got my maths wrong or it's just crazy she's like 22
3: oh wow okay maybe that explains why
2: well it explains how she's outlived all these people yeah but, um, but Doris Day was such a big name and then it's kind of like I don't really know what uh, Shirley Temple obviously another big name from that era sort of maybe a bit before and she's now like a UN ambassador, or she was. Is she still around? I don't know, actually. But I just think that it's really it's. Out of all of those people, you know, she was like one of the surviving icons of the. Was it the golden age of cinema? Yeah.
3: Well, I suppose you have got Kirk Douglas still, not you? Who's remarkably still knocking about.
2: Still around, but I would say that he was a different league, and I, I maybe a bit later. Yeah, he I feel, guess well,
3: he's fifties and
2: sixties, isn't he? I, I would say, yeah, he's more modern than he. <laughs> ridiculously, he feels more modern than Cary Grant, right? You know, James yeah. Stewart, Cary Grant, they, they, uh, you know, they're all kind of like of the, um, yeah, Gregory I mean, Peck, got, uh, uh, Audrey Hepburn, Kath, Catherine Hepburn, yeah,
3: Cary Grant and uh, Humphrey James Bogart Stewart are making films in the
2: thirties. Humphrey Bogart feels like a little bit before mm. Cary Grant. Yeah, do you know what I mean? But um, they're, they're all of that era Cary Grant
3: had a whole period where he wasn't in films so there's like there's like a 10 year period where he just stops making films because I think he's just like he's got enough money he was never attached to a studio and I think he's got one of those sort of real uh, one of those lives where he just kind of did what he wanted I think and I think he, his life always seems fascinating mm. but I think when he comes back in like To Catch a Thief when he's got the grey hair and things mm. I think it's like the first film he's made in 10 years and it's just like Hitchcock goes do you want to make films yeah I think that's when he's
2: in his sort of mad period that's where when he, he's gone <clears> out <throat> when he's anything. taking LSD at the yeah. weekends um, anyway Doris day uh, <laughs> maybe we could download caseer for the for the closing credits we haven't got credits me and Nat and that okay so we're going to do some emails while you open that yeah
0: yeah
2: turn it down Nick I will I'm doing it
0: Fucking hell.
2: (laughs) Hello, first time listener, long time fan. Loving what I've heard so far. Can you tell me a bit more about you and the show, so I can decide if I want to commit to you? (laughs) 4.5... I just want all the listeners to know right now that this show might be a shambles, but it's not my fault. Hello. First time listener, long time fan. Loving what I've heard so far. Can you tell me a bit more about you in the show so I can decide if I want to commit to you? Were well, you a long time listener, first time listener, long time fan though, so what more do you need to know about me? Or not, I don't know. You haven't addressed it to either of us. 4.5 stars for the one I heard. That's five. Got that wrong. <laughs> do you like Ken Roach films? <laughs> <laughs> Do you like Ken Roach films? Ken Roach. Ken Roach?
3: Not Ken Loach.
2: Is that Ken Loach's (laughs) drug addicted cousin?
3: Yes! (laughs) Thanks, Torpin. Bernie Torpin.
2: Is that Ken Roach? Is that Ken Loach's uh, insect brother?
3: Yes.
2: Doesn't work like that. It would be the same surname. (laughs) Ken Uh, (laughs) Roach. Thanks, Torpin. Torpin. Bernie Torpin. Bernie Torpin. Maybe. Maybe. Um, I can't answer any of that email because I don't really understand it, but good luck with the crack.
3: Big fan of Ken Roach.
2: Oh, look. More Hitchcock chat, please. Barry Venison. Didn't we have this last
3: week? We had Barry Venison already, didn't we? it a new one.
2: Perfect show for those of us who are slightly mentally interesting. We had this last week. Keep it light. I'm quite a few months behind. Yes, we've had this last week. Looking forward to the inevitable NISA sponsorship. Yes, we've had this last week. But no spoilers, please. Absolutely. We've had this last week. Update dash. I've just reached Nick talking about Marnie. Totally agree. Shadow of a Doubt is the best for me. I don't remember any of that. Maybe we didn't have it last nah. week. Maybe they've just... I like Shadow of the Doubt a lot. Um, and is that it for we've got for fan mail? Come on, guys. Keep sending that fan mail in. We've got yeah, some but, Yeah, but is that all we've got to read out? Oh, my God. This is getting worse and worse. I mean, fucking... I think our fans are dropping off like flies. <laughs> uh, that's fan club. We have
3: got... We've been sent a big letter which I'll read after the show because I didn't expect a big letter Yeah,
2: well, we've uh, got three minutes can you sit uh, through it are you meant
3: to read it out on air I don't know uh, but here it's from Dave Russell and he has sent us
2: Dave Russell that's ironic because you made a lot of fucking noise when you were opening it
3: <laughs> am I right yes he has sent us where's that um, gun gun loading and cock gunshot and cock the Wo Seven Diaries we we're talking about—the oh, one where,
2: amazing. where
3: uh, Roger Moore shits himself in Jamaica and things. Oh,
2: that's great! He sent the book. Yeah, yeah. did he send uh, two copies of the book? No, he didn't. Oh, I guess we're just going to have to sit side by side and read it together then. <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell. Uh, that's really, so that's a really thank you very much, Dave Russell it's, it's a sort of a, thoughtle- a thoughtful gift, but it's also a thoughtless gift. Right? There's two of us. The clues in the fucking title. <laughs> if you're going to send anything in, people, this is serious. Actually, uh, I, hate, I hate to end the gift section with a turning off. But if you are going to send anything, make sure you send in two of everything. Right, <laughs> we're not the Beatles. We don't live together. So fucking sort it out. All right. Otherwise, Nat's got to r- wait for me to read it, and I'm a slow reader, or I've got to wait for him to read it, and he has dirty fingers. <laughs> <laughs> so, come on. <laughs> um, oh, we, I think we're on
3: time. I think we are. Thank <laughs> you, Dave. I'll have a read of the thing as well, and if it seems uh, uh, appropriate, but thank you very much for the book. Uh, yeah, thanks. For Perfect. That.
2: So we're now going to play <laughs> a song... <laughs> Uh, what's your song called? Oh,
3: Joe Bryth. Take me, I'm yours. Uh, that's right.
2: <laughs> Keep listening, guys. We've got a fun packed hour ahead. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Nats fan club on FUBAR radio.
2: Uh, we're back in the studio after listening to, listen to it. obviously we didn't Um, We we just played that track, they weren't live. Um, (laughs) But if you listen on iTunes, we cut the music out, so you don't know what we're talking about. They get a bit, don't they? They
1: get a bit. They're fine.
2: We're joined in the studio now by prolific YouTuber (laughs) Oliver Harper. (laughs)
1: Hello chaps, how you doing? Very well, thank you.
2: Um, uh, Oliver's a bit quiet in my ears, so... um, I I mean, she's looking, she's coming in, Um, but we can still... There we go. Is, is that, that it? Is, is that what's the what, problem? Just, it's just the. Oh, it's just yeah, you went near enough. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> really didn't need. You could have just mimed through the glass. Yeah. Anyway, so, um, so uh, you uh, make uh, YouTube retrospective uh, videos of old films.
1: I do indeed. Well, yes. I say old
2: films, but films that we pretty much all grew up with.
1: Yeah, eighties and nineties. W- uh, when were you born? Where? When? When 18, 1982. Oh, right, yeah. yeah so I was 1980. When were you? 79. <laughs> That's
2: right. A that little bit older than me. That's right. So, yeah, these are all like, the films that we all grew up with. Um, and I think maybe the v- your the video that you made that uh, got my main attention was uh, the Milton Keynes uh, Superman 4 video that you made.
1: Oh, Superman 4, yeah. The Man of Steel and Glass. Yeah, it's basically about... The, the locations of Superman 4 because Canon films, we mm. know, as we all know, were very cheap. So they decided to shoot Milton Keynes to double for New York, L Studios, which they owned during the 80s. They bought that because Canon had a huge surge in money. So they ended up they, buying, For a while, they ended up buying just about every cinema, didn't they, in the UK? The <laughs> Canon? Did, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think they bought the ABC. Yeah, right, Canon were Cinema Chain. Yeah. yeah. I'd forgotten all about that. Yeah. People refer to as the flea pit Cinemas,
2: right? Yeah. Oh my god, Aww. I'd forgotten all about that. Yeah, but they may have bought the ABC. They didn't buy all the ABCs, no, though, right?
1: No, they bought. I think I, I I'm not sure about the, how many they actually bought in total, but they bought loads in Europe as well. Right. So, yes, yeah, so the documentary was sort of detailing those locations because no one had done it before. I mean, people are gone and taking photographs and stuff, and uh, there's a recreation video. But why,
2: would you, why well. do you think that people went and took photos? Is it because uh, geographically it was easier to get to Melton Keynes than it was to get to New York?
1: Well, of course.
2: Yeah, for English people, obviously, if you live in New York, <laughs> be easier to take photos in New York. Don't, don't bother going to Melton Keynes. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get photos of the first three. <laughs> um, but yeah.
1: Yeah, so it was So did
2: Canon can take over from Warner Brothers? No. So, Warner Brothers did Superman. Well, yes. Superman. Well,
1: super, well, the thing is, about the Superman license was it because it was picked up by the Soulkinds. So then they, they owned it, essentially. So they distributed it through Warner Brothers, who paid them to, for the right. rights for the USA. Right. In the UK, I think it was Thorny M.I., and Warner. Right. Like the first three. Then Superman 4, when the Soulkinds had kind of sold it off at Cannes for like, I don't know, I think it was like 5 million or something like that to Canon. They decided to push forward with Superman so, and Warner Brothers would distribute it.
2: Sorkins weren't involved in the fourth one at all?
1: Not at all, no. But then he leased it to, 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 to Canon for a short period of time. Then I think it may have reverted back to them because they weren't going to do Superman 5, I think, in the early 90s.
2: How but the Sorkins didn't treat the franchise that well, did they? Well,
1: what, what, to begin with?
2: To begin with.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, go on. Well, they, well, they threw the money at it. That's one thing. They didn't cut corners. Mm. That often. I mean, Supergirl, I mean, that was a massive budget movie, but ultimately it was a massive bomb. And then they hired the same director to do Santa Claus, the movie, and spend even more money on that.
2: I loved those films. Mm.
3: Yeah. Uh, I I think Superman, the movie, really made Superman, as someone who liked kind of Superman comics, I think it really took all the mythology, which was really not really anything in the comics and actually made it make sense yeah and i think all that kind of mario Puzo kind of putting this big sort of epic structure onto it is kind of what made superman and yeah. it's what the comics followed really and went sure. oh yeah we'll have a bit of that but
2: you can't uh, you can't disassociate the production of superman from superman 2 which was a fucking disaster the way that they put together Superman 2. So you can go like, oh, Superman. But they were basically filming two films at the same mm. time. They were fucking, uh, they fucked off Richard Donner, replaced him with Richard Lester eventually. Well, Richard Donner came on board for Superman 2 and then they brought in sort of Richard Lester as sort of like his understudy and then phased him out.
1: Yeah, that's uh, Richard Lester was brought on to supervise Donner, sort of be, be the go-between, between yeah. the soul kinds. Well, basically Pierre Spengler, who Richard Donner just despised at that point, didn't want to talk to him. So, come finishing Superman the movie, he was like he was getting ready to do Superman two. They said they no longer need your services, to Richard Donner, because he didn't he. I think he said publicly that he wouldn't work with Pierre Spendler again. So, they put in Richard Dester, who was fast director, economical, and also they still owed him money from the Musketeers. Right, the fourth <laughs> one wasn't it? Because well, they, they shot them back to back, then released us. The they shot one. two yeah. musketeers, uh, What was the what was the fourth one? I thought there was there was well, there, there was the three Musketeers and the four there's Musketeers. The four musketeers. There's, oh right.
2: Yeah. There's yeah. the f- so three was, Musketeers, four that's Musketeers. That's the sequel, isn't it? And then yeah. there was the return of the Musketeers, which yeah, was late eighties, which is the one that um uh
3: Roy Kinnear.
2: Roy Kinnear fell apart. Yeah. Awesome well, that was directed yeah. by Lester I
1: think was that was yeah. the last film he ever did I think it was yeah, yeah. I think that was Lester again and then I think he went I think then he went into like commercials
2: like I more. just think he's such a in intre- not when I want to say interesting I mean weird director there's mm. a lot of it and just the way he does sort of uh, ADR uh on stuff like help uh where they're sort of the bit when they're in the bahamas and they're all running around and he's just adding on when I was little I couldn't tell the difference between The Beatles and um so he adds on sort of like mumbling and voiceovers in really sort of like long shots where they're tiny in the distance you can't really work out who it is and he kind of like adds in these voiceover things to make it funnier and then when you watch The Three Musketeers there'll be kind of like a scene and then in the foreground two peasants walk past and then he'll give them sort of like a little chat that they're having and they'll be talking about a duck that's in the way. Oh, look, we're just walking down the road and there's a duck in the way now. And, and then he'll just add in all these things and you'll go, that's fucking crazy. Um, I just think, who does that?
3: <laughs> but I think, yeah, he was though, wasn't he? Richard Lester was like around in the sort of late 50s, early 60s and I think he seems much more of that Spike milligan goonish kind of...
2: Yeah, I suppose that's what it is. And Spike Milligan was in Musketeers, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, I mean, Richard Lester's more about slapstick humour. And that's and that's sort kind kind of evident in Superman two with the sort of additional stuff, and then Superman three. Superman
2: three, it's just like right up yeah. top. He just yeah. the whole uh, what do you call that thing when something kicks into another thing, and then it's like that delicious machine or something. What do you call that? <laughs>
3: uh, exquisite corpse. Exquisite.
2: No, it's not exquisite corpse because <laughs> the that's the, that's the game. Yeah, yeah. But like in a sort in the Saw franchise, when something kicks into something else, and then that. Like there's a chain reaction. Screwballs, grandma. We'll just call it a chain reaction. Um, <laughs> it's like Mousetrap. Um, the, yeah, there's like this chain reaction sequence at the beginning of Superman 3 where you go, that's ridiculous. So in the, I think one of, the things, one of the things that I like most about um, Army of Darkness would be that Sam Raimi uses the same approach with all the skeletons in the batter at the end, mm. where there'll be... Or, the, like, um, one of my favourite lines from Army of Darkness is right at the beginning, where a knight goes up to his car and starts hitting it, and then the camera pans away, and off shot, you just hear someone go, oh, what a piece of armour this is! <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, it, he gives, like, all of these sort of, like... Um, non-characters these little personalities and he like feels all that and i think that must come from someone like richard lester
1: well it's i, I well sam raimi's very much influenced by the three stooges wasn't because mm. like army of darkness where it was kind of upset a lot of the hardcore fans of evil dead because it was just threw in tons more humor and it was kind of watered down in terms of like violence but uh, to me that's one of my favorites out of there if you the jump
2: bunch. from evil dead to army of darkness you go what uh, what's what yeah. happening here?" Yeah. but if you evil dead 2 is the stepping stone to get you there and also i what i admire about that franchise or that that trilogy is that they didn't repeat themselves they didn't just like even though um uh evil dead 2 is sort of a rehash i mean the first 10 minutes of the remake and then the rest of it is the sequel but uh it's still a guy on his own in a cabin it's sort of a rehash or a stripped down version of the first one it's more you know they've added the comedy into it so it's not it's not a repeat of the first one and then the third one they've gone for a Ray Harryhausen action adventure fantasy that was the first one
1: I saw that's the first one I saw as well Mm. because when I saw Evil Dead 2 I thought wait a minute is this like a sequel or a prequel to it because i had no no idea what oh, was right, going so on. they were connected because it, it didn't have Evil Dead 3 on it. Right. So i was completely like oh my god this is amazing. Well, Why this really, character with a chainsaw?
2: I really preferred the title Medieval Dead when they did mm. the third one i thought they should have stuck with that. I
1: think they i think that's on the UK poster that got Medieval Dead. Um, like, you, I think it's like a underline.
2: Yeah, i think no i think that it was uh, there was uh, do you, what was that free magazine that you used to get in cinemas flicks. So in flicks <laughs> and there was a, there was a shot of Bruce Campbell <laughs> And it said, uh, I think, Evil Dead 3 or Medieval Dead yeah. or whatever it was. And there's a little description of it. And back then, I couldn't tell the difference between uh, Night of the Living Dead, Return of the Living Dead, Evil Dead. like All of those dead yes. franchises. So they were all one. And so they were kind of like Return of the Living Dead 3 had just come out, um, which was completely different from... I mean, that's just as much of a, a genre change from uh, Return of the Living Dead to Return of the Living Dead 3, where Return of the Living Dead is this satire mm. on zombie well, movies. It's,
1: it's like Dawn of the Dead, then there's a Zombie, then there's Zombie 2, then it becomes this kind of. Wasn't it? The title of the film was changed in parts of Europe, maybe Italy? Yeah. Then, so you, then you had a whole new series of zombie Seriously. Yeah, yes so I, uh, I think in Italy they just
3: don't care about sequels They just or having rights to anything you've got me uh, Alien
2: 2 the Italian yes, version yeah, of yeah. Alien 2 which I've started I'm, I'm not it's, lying 15 times and, <laughs> and
0: not got through it
2: it's not very good it's just interesting that it got it's made it's just interesting that there's a sequel to Ridley Scott's Alien an yeah. Italian sequel to Ridley Scott's Alien that has nothing to do with it set on yeah. earth it's yeah. f- <laughs> fucking it's crazy uh, but the, cause it all started with the original Night of the Living Dead where they changed the title or, uh, on the poster at the last minute and they didn't copyright it and then that is up for grabs in terms yeah. of anyone can... Hmm. Um, what's it, it's out of copyright, yeah. basically, because it was never copyrighted in the first place. So when they made the sequel, that's why like, George Romero didn't own uh, Of the Living Dead. Hmm. So then when he did the sequel, it was just Day of the Dead.
1: It isn't uh, like Night of the Living Dead... Or Dawn like, of the Dead. It's, it's in public domain. The whole yeah. film is. Public it? domain. Yeah. That's, that's why it's been re-released so many times. Yeah. But then he has to he remade it like in 1990, maybe 89. Was
2: that Tom Savini? Yeah, yeah.
1: So you know, he actually owns that one. He owns yeah. the Tom Savini I, one. I think so. Yeah.
2: And who was the, who was the lead in that?
1: Oh, I can't remember.
2: There was an, there was one with Tony Todd in. Um, it was a good remake, though. I quite like. Well, that. there was another remake that was in 3D. I think that was maybe the one with Tony Todd in. Really? Mm. That was more recent. It was just great. But also, then there was that. Um, there was there was uh, Zack Snyder's. Dawn of the Dead starring Ving Rhames and then there was a remake of Day of the Dead also starring Ving Rhames which wasn't a sequel to Zack Snyder's Dawn of the (laughs) Dead but it was a remake of the original Day of (laughs) the Dead but it wasn't set in an army facility and it had a different story (laughs) and it's just crazy you gather just the George A just all of the films that are are offshoots from Night of the Living Dead are just confusing enough and then when you get to Return of the Living Dead which is basically going Hey, you know that movie Night of the Living Dead? Well, that's based on a true story, and we've got the stuff that the, you know, in our basement at this facility. And then they uh, let out all this toxic gas, and then people stop coming. I mean, Return of the Living Dead is a great film. Return of the Living Dead Two, not so great. And Return of the Living Dead Three is just this straight zombie, low-budget zombie film that's like meant to be like Romeo and Juliet, but isn't. and so I got Army of Darkness mixed up with all of that. Anyway, <laughs> Richard, Richard Lester,
1: <laughs> King of the Tangents, eh? Yeah. Oh, it's good, it's good. <laughs> that's, what, that's, that's all this that's is. That's fan
2: club. Um, that's all this is. It's just Tangent club. <laughs> um, but, um, uh, but Superman 3 is your favourite out of all the Supermans.
1: Isn't no, that? it's not, actually. Like Superman the movie is, but... No. I th- I'm not sure most people know about that movie in and out. If, if you're a film fan. Hmm. I think you've already discussed some of the production stuff before. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've caught up with some of your episodes. So I thought Superman 3, because it is like... For me, it's guilty pleasure. Objectively, it's not a brilliant film. But to me, I think it was like the first one I ever saw as a kid. I think it was on BBC One. My mum still says to me, oh, it's the first film you saw. That's how you got into it. I was like, no, no. must be number three. Because all I remember as a kid was seeing that robot yeah, yeah. That's terrifying oh, I was Absolutely talking to my friend
2: uh, my friend Jamie uh, Jamie the guitarist who listens to the show he was talking about Superman 3 and how that I think a lot of child's uh, a lot of people's childhoods were ruined
1: by that robot Absolutely one of the of most me. fucking terrible things. The whole sequence things. is like they they have they have no score. There's no music. It's just that woman screaming. And actually, the like metal. It's going like on her the face. tree
2: rape scene in um, the first Evil Dead, mm. where you know there's like stuff attached yeah. to her face, and it's all. And but when
3: you watch it back now, it's like they've just sprayed her silver. silver. <laughs> so weird is she's she's Robert Vaughan's sister, yeah. and there's this idea that she's dead. As well, she's like she gets the full brunt of it.
1: Yeah, I think it's like um, I think it's mostly because she was such a bit of a bitch throughout the entire film, and yeah, then she, get, she gets think. punished by turning into this machine, and then when I mean, it all just gets destroyed. She's kind of okay. You kind of see it as like crawling over, like or just waking up because no one dies. Sure. But,
3: no, I think I think Superman Free is 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 an underrated film, and I really like it. I think I it's a film that I think about a lot, and I kind of. Quote bits from Superman 3. The bit with uh, uh, Richard Pryor when he comes in with a big cowboy hat and he's <laughs> mucking on the phone
1: and starts going, Oh, we're in trouble anyway. I say that all the time. well it's, it's a really bizarre. There's so many jokes you kind of miss as a kid. And then when you hear, like, Robert robert Vaughan gets Richard Pryor up to his office, he goes, You've been a very naughty boy, haven't you? And he goes, And he says, Oh, I don't want to go to jail because I've got rapists and robbers and rapists who rape robbers. Yeah. So that's like. As a kid, that you know, you don't hear that, but as an adult you're like, "Whoa, they got away with that in a PG." Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. So, it was I think it's great. I think it's a, I think it's a much underrated film. Superman
2: 3. Yeah. I tell you what, Superman 3 on its own, you go, "Yeah, sure. Christopher yeah. Reeve is still Christopher Reeve." As a sequel to the original Superman, it's fucking insane. But also it's the first film that they made after they knew what they had. Yeah. So yeah. they made Superman 1 and 2 back-to-back, or they made Superman 1 and half of Superman 2 back to back. Mm. And then they put all of that. Because the ending of. Did we talk about this the other week? The ending of Superman I think 1. You did. <laughs> I mean, it's easy to repeat. I thought yourself. I was worried you might be repeating this. The ending yes. of Superman 1 was the original ending for Superman 2. And then right, we, yes, yes, yeah, we did. We did talk about that. but um, uh, But, you know.
1: Well, Superman three is like a great standalone adventure for Superman. Yeah, yeah sure. I think it it, does, it's like a Bond film. You don't have to be invested in like the backstory or anything like that. You can watch it with a group of friends. I don't have to know anything about Superman or the law of Superman. Yeah, just go straight into it, and that's what I like about it because it's one of the, the one out of all of them. It's the one you can watch with like four or five people and just get get drunk and just watch Superman. Or and on your own. Or on your own. Yeah, which I've <laughs> I, think, done there's, before. I yeah. think there's so much yeah. stuff I about else? it. I
3: like that. And, it's, and, it, and again, it, like as a kid, I didn't make those distinctions between them. They're just Superman films. Yeah. And this is the one where it's like, this would be the one at school where it's like, this is the one where he goes bad. And he's, <laughs> he, he proves he's bad by uh, uh, flicking some peanuts at some bottles of whiskey and smashing them because he's evil. He's pure evil, this guy. And,
1: uh, and doesn't his suit doesn't go a bit get, darker? Doesn't he get a blow job. He no, no, he sleeps with uh, Pamela Stevenson.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah, he does. Like,
1: what's that, Lorelei? But isn't there is a Lorelei? bit when he
2: sort of like know. pushes her down?
1: He gets a bit rapey, doesn't he? In the... Does he? Yeah. Oh, it's crap.
2: uncomfortable. Uh, it's so been a while. It's uncomfortable in 2019. <laughs> uncomfortable viewing. <laughs> well, the he straightens so, the, the, the kind of statue and he's
3: leaning to I didn't actually realise yeah. that,
2: um, that this was going to be the thing we were talking about, but I bought you these from over the road.
1: No.
3: Oh
2: um they're all up. broken up because they all are
1: um <laughs> candy sticks with tattoos.
2: he lost caring but he, he, he stopped caring um, um
3: i got a pack of these the other week and they didn't have a tattoo in them <sighs> they, had the they didn't even have a tattoo Let no. down. A thats a free temporary that. tattoo
2: um we could talk about Superman 3 all day. Well, uh, but. Do you know what, though? <laughs> I was just about
3: to say. Do you know what?
1: Have, have I given a fair argument? I feel no, I like <laughs> there's it. There's no I mean, argument the, we're all If you we're like into it, it you
2: like it. I, I I think it's fine. I mean, um, I prefer it infinitely to Man of Steel and. <laughs> yeah. I, I, prefer, I prefer that Superman to. Uh, Brian Singer's Superman. And Superman Returns. Superman Returns and Man of Steel. I, well I,
3: I, I, I always kind of feel a, that I want to stick up for Superman Returns, especially given what came afterwards. I always felt <laughs> yeah, that I was like, it was like, weird, like this it? is yeah. much more what, how you do it.
2: I, I don't understand how it, why it's so hard to just make a Superman film.
1: you know. But I think Warner Brothers or people at the, in that the studio think for some reason Superman's not very cool. So they, they have to try and make him... But as you saw with Man of Steel, he's, you know, very angry and grumpy. Mm. And he's not really the Superman we all grew up mm. watching. You know, mm. he's not he's not Christopher Reeve. He's not George Reeves. He's not even <laughs> Dean Kane. But he's not even um,
2: the idea that we all have in our head of what yeah. Superman is. If, you know, we all know. I think pretty much everyone knows what Superman is. And then you watch Man of Steel and you go, that's not Superman. Well,
1: you you want to see Superman saving people, smiling, and winking at camera sort of thing. You know, you want to see him doing heroic stuff not um screaming and shouting there's a bit in
3: man of steel that i remember there's a bit where he punches a kryptonian and he smashed through some like a scaffolding or something it's got one of those signs in the background which is this site has had no accidents in x amount of days and they smash through it and i always think the joke for superman would be to him to do that about a fly up and then he puts zero on (laughs) as if to say that's the right thing to do and I think that's what that's how you should do Superman yeah it should be like and he's I always think Superman is like it's the idea of it is it's uh, an alien who comes to America is a raised by, uh, raised by Americans and then because he's an alien he's, has to be the best a, example of being a a human being he's yeah.
2: raised by Midwestern Americans yes, yeah. and they're like the most American of all Americans yeah. so that's what but it, it basically it's what they did with Captain America yeah where they go oh yeah
1: yeah like this well, it shows you, Marvel has shown us, hasn't it, <coughs> that you can take a character that could be uh, perceived as campy or old-fashioned and make him popular. Mm. Captain America is a perfect example yeah, because he's basically Superman, yeah. you know, yeah. the same ideals and I stuff. I mean, they
3: have done it, and that's yeah. what that's what I, that's I mean, they've done it in Superman the movie as well, so that's why that works really they well.
2: They have done it, but, they, but they, they've done it more recently in a more cynical time with Captain America, and you go, yes, yeah, yeah, they haven't, you know... They've stayed true to what Captain America is and still updated it. Yeah. Whereas for Superman, it was just like, well, do you know what? We should probably change what Superman is, mm. which is kind of a weird. I approach.
1: think they were basically for years like they were they were, they were screwed on making any more because Christopher Reeve had his accident. Hmm. And I think he Did he we have the rights. No 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 but he said he would do more if the money was spent. Like yeah, that's in, this is in like 94 so very not long afterwards he had his accident. Oh, but right. I think Warner Bros he said that before the accident. Yeah, I think Warner Bros basically said they would have, you know, I think they would have made more if he, you know, didn't break his neck. But the whole for years, trying to find the right person to play. Superman. I suppose
2: yeah, it's a bit. Mm. It's, it's a bit fucking awful replacing. I mean, there him is a weird alive. thing.
3: The Brandon Routh thing was weird because he's <laughs> someone who Looks he's almost like, like, like a lookalike. Yeah, yeah, he's yes. like they've gone for like.
2: He doesn't really look that much like him, but he he had exactly the same tone as him, mm. and I just think give him another chance. Just yeah. make, let him make yeah. another one.
1: Yeah, because he's got, you know, he's got more acting jobs under his belt. You know, I think he's improved as an actor. I think in terms of seeing things I've seen recently with him. But um, I thought he
2: was great in the first one. But what yeah. I would say was that nobody wants to see Superman you know, stalking Lois Lane. And then <laughs> you've got yourself lumbered with, oh, Superman's got a super baby now. Like, you can't make a sequel to this film.
3: The weirdest things about three and four of Superman is the thing where Lois Lane stops being like the love interest. And it's weird. She becomes yeah. like a mother
1: to yeah. him, like the fourth one especially. And um, it's like, but she's three, still she around.
3: She's still around, but they're not really... It's it's and he's he's basically with Lana Lang in the third one. But isn't that's I? because
2: she fell out with the Sorcons. Mm.
3: But it but it makes that whole romance be like it's it's odd that she's still in the movies, but that romance has been completely sidelined. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. I've always thought that. There was, oh, was always Whereas weird. the
3: first one,
2: and Margot Kidder was great, and then when yeah. you look at Kate Bosworth, it's just like why if you cast that? She's a she's blonde and she's obviously got dyed hair, and b She's way too young. Margot Kidder was kind of like... I mean, she wasn't, she wasn't young when she made Superman, but she was, like, exactly right for that part. Yeah. And uh, I just thought that... Yeah. I always
1: thought if they made it in the 90s, a new one, it would have been Courtney Cox as Lois Lane. Right. She's got that Margot Kidder kind mm. of, uh, sort of energy. Yeah, but then, uh, you know,
2: I mean, we say all that, but then Terry Hatcher and Dean Kane were good.
1: They were okay. I, I liked Toby Hatcher, but I, I wasn't really a fan of Dean Cain. Because it wasn't the Superman I, I knew. It sure. was this... They premiered it, I think, on the BBC One on my birthday as well. And it's <laughs> like, oh, this is a new Superman show. Amazing. And then it... No John Williams theme. And it's... And the suit looks like it's been made by his mum. Which is, it is in the comics, but it doesn't sure. look like a bit...
2: It's very shiny.
1: He's gone to Halloween shop and bought one. Mm, you know, sure. Yeah, very shiny, yeah. And it was... Played for sort of comedy. Well, they didn't have the you budget know.
2: to make it anything other than that. No. Well, no and, like, he wouldn't no. fly into a thing. He would sort of like step through a wall. <laughs> and it was like a polystyrene I liked I mean, it. that's I the really thing that blew it. my
3: mind. Like with Superman 4, I've said, I have said this before on here, where that was the first instance of seeing a film and realising that some films are terrible. <laughs> and as a kid being like, huh? And like expecting like new Superman film out and so excited for it. And watching this thing, you and going, saw the cinema, did you? Yeah, and being like, "This is shit." Oh my god! So and I remember, mean... like, thinking that. So i have been eight, eight when it came out, and it was all. And I'm really noticing all the stuff. Like, I really was aware of him, not even changing on screen. And he go, "Can you not afford a shirt? Just <laughs> <to> tear <laughs> a button shit. off a shirt." This is eight year old you. Yeah, review. and it's that, so. Is that kind of awareness of him <laughs> and just going almost like the, the whole concept of what movies were yeah. in my head? Were like like
1: being aware that this is no good it's like but this is rubbish I don't get it I didn't think like that I I remember thinking to myself oh I can see the wires there but it didn't really bother me Mm. you can even see the
2: uh, the uh, curtain uh, Mm. when they're on the moon that's yeah that was a sort of
1: a well I saw it on film like a couple of years ago and you can't see the curtains it's just I mean, a transfer to dvd right, was, right. wasn't very really good it's just the concept of film that's, criticism that's unforgivable sing, though yeah. isn't it if that's what the trend that's the well, love you can probably of the see film the curtains. <laughs> if you it increased the brightness you know then you'd see it
2: um i f- probably felt like that with masters of the universe where my dad took me to see that and i was like
3: going what the fuck is this shit <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what the fuck is this why is orco not in it Where's, think? <laughs> what's fucking... i think there is that there is like there must be a point where people just see something and go oh like because all films before that are amazing because the only films you ever see are like massive blockbusters yeah. or Disney movies. If Supergirl, so gets, go, the, gets a pass amazing,
2: and you know, you say, oh Supergirl, yeah, that's fine. That's oh, fine. It's all right. Supergirl, Fantastic like the movie. Special effects are out of this world, <laughs> and then you go see Masters of the Universe, and you go, oh no, <laughs> why is it? Why is it set on Earth?
1: <laughs> what, I mean, that film has no extras in it. There's no people in the, in the city. <laughs> Just got those characters. You have got Skeletor coming through this massive porthole. Yeah, but there's, there's fucking no there. loads of those soldiers,
2: though. So oh, yeah. any extras would have been put, mm. would have had a armour put on them. Recently,
3: in was it the uh, Avengers: Infinity War? There's a bit where they're in Edinburgh and there's no one there. <laughs> they smash Waverley Station and no one witnesses it. Yeah, Isn't it like? I in, mean,
2: but it's like where they set the end of that one in an airport, and you go. He's just set in an airport. There's no one around, <laughs> and you're set in an airport. But I mean, that's, people, the, that's the knock-on effect from Man of Steel, isn't it? It was just mm. like, we can't put them yeah. in a place where uh, you're going to uh, kill loads of innocent bystanders. So we'll just put them in deserted places now, and then they'll have mm. these fights.
1: Well, if like, you feel like watch Spectre, you know, when he's bombing around Italy at, like, I don't know, midnight, and it's empty, I'm like, No. Come on, there must be more people around at this point, but yeah, then especially tourists. There's
2: that Daniel Craig extra from uh, Casino Royale that's doing the sweeping in the background, and the, <laughs> the, the, the broom is a foot off the ground.
3: have <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seen that because he's obviously
2: he's been presented. told he's been told uh, right. Uh, it's quiet on step, Everyone mime your actions. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, it's probably sometimes for the best to not have any extras. <laughs> Not that it's not a, a good enough and decent enough uh, career path.
3: <laughs> do you know anything about the.? Because the there's that Superman. I don't even know if. I presume this is true. In fact, I've, I do know it's true because I've seen um, the Sulkins reference it. Is that the third one is meant to be Mr. Mixia's Pidlick and. Mixies-piddlich,
1: uh, yeah. And Brainiac. Brainiac, right? Yeah. So Ilya Sulkind had written like a pitch or like a brief to say, this is what he wants to do for Superman 3. And it would have, yeah, Mixia's Piddlick uh Brainiac and Supergirl appearing in it. And the Warner brothers said no, this is just like, you know, too crazy, too big, cost too much. Um Dudley so th- you-
3: Moore was like either cast or so oh, I remember when he, they I didn't did. Hear that, yeah?
1: Yeah, when they did when they did
3: um uh Santa Claus the movie, Dudley Moore's thing was that he knew them because he was supposed to be in Superman 3. ooh There you go. New bit of trivia. Yeah, uh, well but done. like so that was a for that was a well, that's no, something that It seems great. like a much more obvious third it's one, really. It's full on cosmic DC yeah, stuff. Yeah, it feels like, it? oh, yeah, that would make sense. As a th- it makes more sense than <laughs> <laughs> what Richard, you get. Richard, Richard Pryor <laughs> in a Superman <laughs> adventure. Yeah, yeah. It's
2: weird. But then also uh, Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home, mm. that's the one with the whales, isn't it? Yep.
3: Yeah.
2: So that was originally conceived... The reason it was set in San Francisco was because Paramount owned Beverly Hills Cop and... Uh, Star Trek, and they wanted to put Eddie Murphy into the Star Trek movie because they found out he was a fan, mm. and then that didn't happen for some reason. Mm. But they still set it in modern times.
1: Maybe Shatner put his foot down, or Nimoy,
2: or Nimoy. I mean, yeah.
1: Nimoy was they were charge, both outspoken, he really? weren't they? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: yeah. But, that's, but that would have been even that would have been pretty much the same as yeah. Let's put a, com- a, a comedian in a franchise. Yeah. That's fucking weird.
3: The oh, idea that at that what time Eddie Murphy would Eddie Murphy be has been brought movie? up but not like Eddie
2: Murphy coming in like Christian Slater like as an officer and it's just best like popping his again. Head. It would be like it would literally be Axel Foley turns up on a Star Trek adventure. <laughs> yeah. They wouldn't no one would no one would want to compete with him. No. Fine. Um, we're going to play. Uh, <laughs> we're going to play. Uh, you also love Laserdisc. We're going to play a song now, and then we will talk some more with Oliver Harper. Uh, what is your song? Oh, it's your favourite song. Oh, is it? <laughs> no, not that, really. That's my
0: favourite.
1: Is uh, it this one? on FUBAR Radio. we and back with Oliver Harbour. Um, you're a YouTuber. Oh, yes. How did, how did you start that? Uh, how, really? I mean, it's 2011. I started doing YouTube hobby. That's
2: 2011.
1: Yes. And because um, I left, I worked as a projectionist for like seven, I think seven years. Maybe. Were they in the 35mm
3: days? Oh, yes.
1: Yeah, 35mm. And I, I left due to them changing over to digital. What cinema? Uh, Cineworld.
2: And they changed over to digital And
1: you were outraged I wasn't outraged I mean I I knew I I needed to move on at some point But it was you know, When I left they'd have half 35 and the rest digital And then they're basically phasing out all the projectionists So they'd be replaced along the line More digital projectors and one giant server Film comes on a hard drive, upload it People downstairs, the managers just create a playlist And then Bob's your uncle done Oh really? Yeah. Is that why
2: when stuff is out of focus, it takes fucking ages for it oh, to sort? Oh yeah, the because
1: they've got to get the usher or people shovelling popcorn and go, oh, I've got one upstairs now, and then adjust the focus and um, or restart the projector
2: because it's know? not manually. Oh, obviously it's not manually operated so, yeah, anymore, but yeah. this is
1: mm. yeah. So replace them all with that's two. Just a shame in it. You might as well just be watching the Blu-ray. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, also, I think quality has dropped as well because you they're all two K projectors and not four K in a lot of cinemas thirty five millimetres beyond that resolution. So you've had a drop in quality, I think, really, picture wise. But you don't get, you know, the scratches, <laughs> you don't get the film cutting up, whatever. So consistently I call like that. Quality, I mean, you know. the
2: stuff like that that makes it feel like cinema to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's that like experience of growing up and watching those films in the cinema mm. yourself. And then when it's all like Digital, you are just watching like a it's like watching a Blu-ray on a massive projector. Yeah. I remember so. finding out about that thing when the the reels end and you get the
3: little mark. Oh, a Fight, the little, yeah. it's like
1: Fight Club wasn't it that bit? Oh it yeah, tells yeah, you, yeah and you That's put,
2: that's in the book as well, is it? Oh. Which is really weird. Like the film is almost a literal translation from the book. There's like one uh, subplot on a beach that's kind of not in it, but because like, everyone
1: always said that to me when I was a projectionist. They're like, "Oh, did you cut it? in a penis, you know, like in Fight Club." i was like, "Where are we going to get that?" 35 mil, you know, shot of some bloke's dick. Oh, I can get you one. if You,
3: <laughs> <want>. <laughs> you know, I like the idea of a 35 millimeter penis. <laughs> what, what's funny about that? Nothing, nothing there.
1: But it was that. Yeah. So <laughs> once I was made redundant, i had I had time to kill, and thought, well, let's let's have a stab at this YouTube. And it was like at the time, when everyone reviewing movies were either just bashing them. Or I think diff- I think that was it really. I mean, there wasn't that many YouTubers sort of celebrating the films they grew up watching. Sure. Um, so I thought well, let's take perspective or to have something educational with a with a critique. Yeah. And then it's kind of evolved over <coughs> that. So um, yeah, it's it's been. So what you bought a camera. No, I never, I never, I never on camera when I make do the reviews. Of course not. Yeah, no. so yeah, you just yeah. editing. I've, ju- no, I've just, just
2: seen you do more recent reviews when you're on camera. I had,
1: yeah, I had done uh, stuff on camera, but it, for the retrospectives, that stuff that kind of mm. the channel's built on, it's just all like edited stuff with uh, footage from films, documentaries, where I can find the stuff.
2: So the format of that is you do sort of an edited highlights of the film.
1: Like A trailer. I do like a trailer at the beginning. Then it's sort of like a introduction about its history, production, cast, and Take the story, um, then go into visual effects, the music in the film, the score. Because most people, when they often critique movies, they never discuss the score itself. Which the is, elements that yeah. make the film. Yeah, because oh. if you took away the score from Star Wars, it's not going to work. The mm-hmm. whole film falls flat. So, you know, not commenting on the quality of that and, and its importance, um, I thought was always valid, I think, with a, when we critiquing a film. Especially one that has something like a... Alan Silvestri or James Horner or John Williams score attached to it. you've got to talk about it,
2: and you can talk about it in the context of their body of work, not just in terms of the film, yeah, and where that play you know oh this this film had a good soundtrack. It's just that what did this score sound like compared to the you know the rest of their films
1: yeah, exactly and um, if I discussed a movie such as Batman from eighty nine I'd talk about like the video games that came out, Because mm. that was an interesting aspect because you know i played video games as a kid and i still yeah. play them now and again sure so. i remember the batman video game yeah the one for the I think, Amiga. Omega. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah, that yeah. was a big deal at the time oh yeah you, know?
3: you shoot you shoot your thing out and uh go around corners in your batmobile yeah you've got to shoot your wire out and you've got another <laughs> bit where you've got to put put all your different uh, oh,
1: chemicals. chemicals together
2: That's right, yeah yeah uh <laughs> <laughs> i did i was i didn't i wasn't I didn't play computer games. I remember the Ghostbusters game on the Spectrum. So
3: do I. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was
2: the shittest game. It took fucking ages to upload. And not you
3: going around a map as well? It was yeah. going
2: around a map, and, yeah, it took ages. Um, I had a Spectrum in, like, 1983,
3: oh. which
2: also had The Hunchback of Notre Dame on it. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. I remember that game. Which was... Great game. The cover artwork was fantastic.
3: I think I found that weird about scores recently. I watched Howard the Duck the other week. Yeah, and we never Thomas, got to the end of that. Thomas yeah. Dolby does so the soundtrack bad. for it, does the song in it, and the main theme. They ask Thomas Dolby to do it, and he's like, he's a one hit wonder, but he obviously is massive in America mm. for like six months. Yeah. So they get him to do all the music for it, apart from the main theme. And they go, and he's like, nah, I'm too busy to do the main theme. It's like, you've done everything else. And so they call up. John Barry and go will you do it and John Barry goes yeah so John Barry does just the main theme but all the other music is Thomas Dolby that and you think that, that must be a bizarre well, a bit phone like Army, a, of Army of Darkness Army yeah because
1: well, Danny Elfman did the main theme he did the main theme then Joseph
2: Leducer did the uh, yeah. but it feels like
1: but but the weird thing about that is
2: that it feels so intertwined I mean yeah. it's not like you go well that's Danny
3: I mean, it you, does all sound like Danny Elfman, really. You can't, you
1: can't tell difference. No. That's that's good orchestrations mm. and good yeah. composers call, emanate, uh, Olympia, kind of copying each other. See
3: it must have been a real kick in the dick for um, <laughs> John, Williams, no, John Barry sorry, to do to do Howard the Duck after everyone, like Thomas Dolby has basically turned it down, mm. and they go, John Barry? And he's like, yeah, I'll do it. There's- oh, I
2: don't see it like that. I see it like John Barry coming in and saving the day. Everything. oh yeah I guess this yeah. fucking punk he turned up he did 90% of the work we just needed. I team. like to think
3: they've got like a roll of money going <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he's got yeah right I mean that's the only way you can sort of justify it
2: no oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he was just well it was George Lucas wasn't
3: it yeah I suppose yeah. It
2: would have been, but then if it's George Lucas why wasn't it John Williams mm. well, d- think didn- of the list of people that turned it down
1: that's the funny thing isn't it because George Lucas always gets blamed for that movie he just produced it he didn't direct it
2: but he had a passion for it he's the one that wanted to put (laughs) with the Duck on I mean George Lucas doesn't get enough credit for The Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi either people begrudgingly give George Lucas credit for all of his greatest achievements (laughs) Captain EO (laughs) <laughs> wonderful, wonderful short
1: film. Um, I never saw that ride. I mean, you've been to Disney, yeah, haven't you? It was,
2: good. It was, was it good. it was good. It was like a, was like a really long thriller video. Oh, it's, you know. it was,
3: yeah, it was really impressive. I mean, that 3D it's that they had at Disney was incredible.
2: Absolutely crazy, the making of that. I mean, it's George Lucas, Francis Ford Coppola, Michael Jackson. And like, you go fucking hell. Angelica Houston's in it. It's it's just insane how much money they put into mm.
1: it. I've seen like there's like really low res copy of it on YouTube, like a uh, the really? 2D version. So I've okay. not seen. You'll probably, they should re release
2: that. You'll probably never be able to see it again. Mm. Now that um, all oh, the God. documentaries have come out, I mean, <laughs> you just you just won't be able to. I've got a, I've got a framed Captain EO poster at home <laughs> that uh, I think it's actually in storage. I looked at it and I went, no, I'm not going to put that up. <laughs> 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 the documentaries come out in the space of me moving house, like, no, everyone's I'm taking probably. down
1: their Moonwalker posters. I'm not ironic
2: there. anymore. It's now like now he. Mm.
3: We've only spoken about your documentary in. When, when we've been off air, when the music's been playing. So we should really talk about... Um, so, yeah,
2: you've made this documentary called Last... Uh, go on. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying you to made be...
1: Last Action Hero, didn't you? <laughs> you in made that, Last in, Action in Hero. Action. Wow. In, in Search of the Last Action uh, Heroes, Bit of a mouthful, but yes. No, it's great.
2: it's great. In Search of the Last Action Heroes, I can say
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically about the action genre from the 80s up until the 90s and this, when it all kind of sort of changed, come the new actors stepped in like Keanu Reeves and Mick Cage and things like that. Well, so- we were
2: talking about this just before you, you came on in the first half. Uh, yeah, the, 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 sort of like um, the Planet Hollywood spike in uh, Sylvester Stallone's career in the early 90s. So he'd done Rocky Five, Stuff On My Mum shoe, Shoe, Oscar and then it was just like the way that Cliffhanger came back in it actually felt like this is a huge comeback for him yeah two big hits Cliffhanger and Demolition Demolition
1: and then he folded it with Judge Dredd
2: which I like I like Judge Dredd
1: I I like the look of it But Judge Dredd never removes his helmet.
2: I don't. Yeah. Well, if if you—that's the thing. I never read the comics, so I can. I can watch it. We've already discussed this Mm. on this episode. (laughs) 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 But like, I like. um, I like loads of things about it, and if you called it something other than Judge Dredd, you could. It would. It would be a better film, I think. Mm. But um, yeah, I I enjoy loads of stuff about it. I think. What happened to Danny Cannon? Uh,
1: I went to TV. Did, uh, oh, he does one on Law Pro- and Order, doesn't he? Yeah, I think he produces it, even. Yeah, very successful. Right, you know, so. and he also
2: did uh, one of the... I know what he did last summer's, didn't he? I think he did I the think second he did. one. I yeah, yeah. I still yeah.
1: know
3: what he did last summer. Yeah.
1: Anyway,
2: so your documentary... Go on, tell us about it.
1: So, yeah, we crowdfunded it on Kickstarter. was pretty successful. Then uh, we went and got shot... So we went and shot uh, a documentary in, in in L.A. in October. So interviewing, like, Ronnie Cox, Janet Goldstein, uh, Bill Duke... Uh, <laughs> Eric Roberts, Vernon Wells for Mad Max, uh, Brad Fidel recently. We well, I interviewed him a couple of months ago. Uh also he composed of Terminator One and Two and True Lies. Uh, um, coming up soon, we're gonna be last minute interview with Paul Verhoeven. Ah wow. So yeah, maybe we've got over like about thirty people. The more see, there's always thing with documentaries when you're, you know, shooting interviews, if you go beyond a certain number, it just becomes a nightmare to edit. And mm. you end up with too many talking heads. Um, so, you know, some people will say, oh, you, you should get Stallone and Schwarzenegger. We had tried at the time, but some of these people come with... That's like, Frank
2: Stallone and Ian
1: Schwarzenegger. <laughs> <laughs> but some come with really uh, difficult agents. Of course, them, right? yeah. But like force films. But to be honest,
2: you know? I've seen them talk about their work... Mm and you know, one of my favourite things about that He-Man documentary that came out was uh, Dolph Lundgren popping up and oh, yes, talking yeah. about how much he loved making
1: well, No, it was Frank Mangella wasn't it, wasn't he?
2: Uh, Dolph Lundgren was in the He-Man documentary, the one on Netflix
1: The, he, the like, Power Grease Skull one uh, I think yeah. So, yeah, but
2: Frank Langella was the one that actually enjoyed making. Oh yeah, it. oh yeah, he yeah. loved
1: it. Yeah, he had a great. That's son. one of his favourite. <laughs> one of my
2: favourite <laughs> film facts yeah. is just how much he loved doing it. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> um, With well, like uh, Raul Julia, who was uh, M Bison in yeah, right. Street Fighter. He did it because his kids loved yeah. the, the video game. But then he also sadly died.
2: Yeah, um, but it was a worthy yeah. send off. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's for I now.
3: remember in the mid-90s in Empire Magazine they're doing one of those review of the summer or review of the year yeah. and in that they were talking about the first Mission Impossible was it called Hard Rain? Hard yes. Rain, yeah. yeah, yeah. Was, was that Keanu Reeves or Christian Slater? It's Christian Slater and Morgan Freeman. Yeah. yeah and what, sure. was the, what was the Keanu Reeves one at the same time? Chain Reaction. Chain Reaction. Chain Reaction. Yeah. And they were the three films they were talking about and they, With they Morgan Freeman again. Yes, Kenneries, Morgan yeah. Freeman, yeah,
2: yeah. and um, oh, Rachel Vice. I
3: think they're all. So it must be ninety six, I guess. And they're all talking about this thing, and it was all about how they've basically made these action movies with these guys who aren't action people, and that was it. And they're talking about like, can they get? The, can these guys pull it off? And you think since then, they're the people that do action movies. Yeah, they're, it's they're, they're pre-existing actors who might be in completely other types of movies. And then the action genre just embraces them and going. And in hindsight, I always think of that thing of that was seen as such a weird thing at the time. But mm. you've made these well, action movies with
2: Cruise, Nicolas Nic- Cage, going from uh, Kiss of Death and stuff like that to doing uh, The Rock. Was yeah. In, well, what did he do before The Rock? Or maybe. Snake Eyes always got lumped in with all of that Mm. that's a bit later I think that was a a
1: Joel Schumacher movie that was
2: no Snake Eyes was uh, Brian De Palma is it De Palma yeah Yeah. Uh, what was the 8mm was Schumacher yes but um, they all got kind of like lumped in together and uh, that's that's a Brian De Palma thriller and that's Mm. a Joel Schumacher thriller they're not the same as The Rock Nicolas Cage doing The Rock was fucking crazy and then Conair Mm. whew what movie <laughs> <laughs> I, I, but that's it I it's I it's like, by then you've,
3: you, they've completely been replaced haven't they yeah, kinda... th-
1: the narrative is it, you know, it kind of starts with a lot, lot of the actors and r- directors and writers we've interviewed sort of discussing what do what they watch growing up mm. mostly westerns goes into James Bond then you go to sort of 70s gritty sort of crime thrillers uh, with sort of kind of anti-heroes then you've got a bit of Bruce Lee exploitation, and then bang the 80s you've got this new wave of action Um so okay so question for you chaps what do you think what was the, the one movie of the 80s that's really kickstarted that action genre with the sort of muscle bound hero sort of you know Commando against, First Blood oh,
0: yeah.
1: 82 First Blood yeah because most when we sort of quiz you know the people throughout the uh, documentary what was, this, what was that one movie that really kickstarted it and most probably said what well, it was First Blood um, followed by Mad Max 2 because Mad Max 2 was, was re- it First Blood that's 82, yeah. So Mad Max 2. Did was, I, did I was, get it right? You got it right, yeah. Oh.
2: yeah. <laughs> but I would <laughs> say yeah, that. that I stick. would say that that was retrospectively. Because First yeah. Blood is more of a Vietnam drama yeah. with action yeah. elements. Yeah. And then yeah. when you yeah. get to something like Terminator, which mm. is like.
1: So 85 is where it really mm. kind of 80s action really just went crazy. Because mm. you had First Blood Part 2. Yeah, First Blood Part 2 is for sure. And Commando, which was this. this you had the hero who was essentially a Superman. Who would just take down his bag? Commando? Guys. Yeah. I, it's an incredible film. Yeah.
2: I mean, it's just 88 minutes of killing people and saying something <laughs> funny afterwards. And it's just, like, okay. <laughs> It's got Vernon Wells in it, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, was it like meeting Bill Duke?
1: See, so my, my producer, or uh, well, co writer, Time Singh, he had, he had done the LA interviews. And um, I mean, watching the sort of Bill Duke footage, I mean, he's. Most people talk to him about his predator that's what everyone wants talked about not
2: Sister Act 2 back in the habit no no he was,
1: he was at the end of the interview it was quite strange because Ty says to him oh the, you know they're remaking Sister Act and he's like what and it cuts I was like no I want to see that reaction yeah but um, yeah making Predator like one of the stories he had was like uh, you think Arnold was the strongest guy on set but it was his trainer right. Sven Olsen he's like uh, uh, he pops up in Conan the Barbarian he's in The Running Man right Is this? Arnold's friend he just picks up Arnold by his elbows and lifts him up like that that's how strong he was <laughs> is he? so is so is this now fully funded are you still oh yeah yeah, yeah it's, it's fully okay. funded fully funded yeah so we are just finishing it off yeah yeah I've got it I've, basically we have a three hour cut which we watched about two weeks ago and I've got to get it down to two hours I've got to cut out, to cut out an hour which is tough are you, to so where were you releasing it it should be available end of July, but it may it depends because it's got to go through the checks, legal checks.
2: And uh, are you going to release uh, extras?
1: Yes, yeah, so all those little things like delete scenes. Th- everything <laughs> I'm cutting out. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be scenes. really
2: incredible. Yeah. I'm really excited about it. Uh, I love your uh, your web series, uh, your YouTube channel. Uh, uh, I always watch it when I'm cooking. Um, I think it's brilliant. I just I love it. I think it's great. It's really good to have you on. Thank you, Um Nick. We've got to play a game with you now. Oh, we do.
0: Oh.
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's the wrong button. <laughs> was it? Was it the wrong one? This is better or worse, and you have to say whether the next person is better or worse than the person before, based entirely on my own opinion, right, beginning with Angela Bassett. Is Leah Thompson better or worse than Angela Bassett? Better. Oh, high cards. Worse. But I she's think a she high is card. Hard. She is worse, but it's yeah. a high card. High cards, I okay. Leah Thompson there. So Emma Thompson, better or worse than Leah Thompson? Better? Better, yeah, yeah. better. Gwyneth Everyone Paltrow, better or worse than Emma Thompson? Who's this? Gwyneth Paltrow. Gwyneth
2: Paltrow, better or worse than Emma, Emma Thompson. Thompson.
3: Thompson? Oh, worse. Just worse, worse, yes, worse. worse, yeah. worse. John Lithgow, better or worse than Gwyneth Haltrow? Better. Better. Better, better. better by better. a fucking New York mile. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Alec Guinness, better or worse than John Lithgow? Oh,
1: That God. is tough. I I, I, I say worse because Lithgow is funny. Really funny.
3: Alec Guinness is funny. He's funny. I would say John Lithgow is better.
1: Alec Guinness is better.
3: Oh, oh. wow. Of course she said that. Uh, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, better or worse than Alec Guinness? Worse without even thinking yeah go on yeah worse. It's worse. he's worse that's yeah. harsh though I like you, Maggie Gyllenhaal better or worse than Jake Gyllenhaal oh. worse worse she is worse but I think she's quite a high card Peter Sellers better or worse than Maggie Gyllenhaal better it's better yeah it's better yeah better, yeah, it's better than he <laughs> Tim Robbins better or worse than Peter Sellers better oh
2: worse oh no, worse yeah he was in Heart Psychoproxy? What? I mean, he was in The short sure Thing? He was in Howard With The Duck? <laughs> worse. <laughs> Answered my
3: own question then. <laughs> I think it's worse. Worse, yeah. Worse. That's it.
2: Seven. seven. All right, well, you're not it's quite, good. It's, no, not it's quite it's as good, good as Sean, sp- Harry, Ingrid Oliver, John Levern <laughs> <laughs> with ten, Daniel Cook, Daniel Lawrence Taylor, Michael Lex Solomon Gray, Rebecca Staten with nine, Claudie Blakely, Jordan, Brooks, Suze Kempner, Evelyn Rock, Paul Lieutenant, Rebecca Short, Mark Smith and Carl Theobald with eight. But you are as good as Haley Campbell, Brett Goldstein, Tom Goodman-Hill, Charlie Higgs and Matthew Holness, Jim Hoskin, Laura Lex, Mark Smith, Esther Smith, Ian Smith, Elliot Spill Keller, Josh Willick and Sean McLaughlin with seven. Uh, you, uh, and you're better than drunk history, Seven crime Taylor Glenn, Hannah George, Mike Height and Colin Holt, Andy Kindler, Law Lara, Lucy Porter. John Robbins, Richard Sanding, Mark Simmons, David Trent with six. Yeah, Asmund Ackerman, Rob Deering, Tom Meaton, and Joey Page, <laughs> Glenmore with five. Jack Barry, Bunny <laughs> Glore, Taylor Glenn, and Katie Wilkins with four. And controversially, Sam Ashurst with nothing. Nice so, we need a uh, recount on that. Probably need no, really a recount on that last one uh, because I don't think it's possible to score n- none, uh, but it's possible, but it'd be unheard of. Um, Great, what a nice one uh, Thank you for coming in and uh, I will see you
1: online <laughs> <laughs> Well thanks for, everyone. So, yeah, thanks for having me on the show Chuck. It's no,
2: been you're a totally blast uh, yeah, and we're gonna, I can't wait for your documentary It's going to be brilliant And congratulations on meeting all them fucking legends Thank
1: you When I was just a
0: little Girl I asked my mother what will I be? Will I be pretty? Will I be rich? Here's what she said to me Kay said off whatever.
3: You've
2: been
0: listening to a FUBAR Radio podcast. For more information, go to foobarradio.com.